So, last week in Songbird, Scion, Saboteur, we had our Joust, which we kind of already a little bit recapped with the technical preview there. We continued on with the events of the Tanager Jubilee out in Marat County, where the party had been shipped off to try to endear themselves into the local populace. Not just the nobility, but I mean, having the nobles like you definitely helps out for trying to get anything done anywhere in Taldor. So it's as good a place as any to start. Now this Jubilee is a little different than the very high class, very fancy gala we'd had back in Apara. Marat's very much country farmland. This is the sticks, and they celebrate as such. This two-day party has two main sporting events. A joust on the first day, and a hunt on the second. And boy, did that joust go so much better than <laughs> anybody could possibly <laughs> have imagined. Uh, including myself. <laughs> knowing knowing uh, what was never available. Never doubt me. Yeah, don't, never tell me the odds, apparently, because they don't matter. Because Inori is just going to do whatever she wants. And regardless of the fact that I'm pretty sure she has never actually picked up a lance in her life and possibly never ridden a horse before. I'm sure she's ridden a horse at least once or twice. But I you... told Okara not to underestimate her. Yeah, and clearly. Then what was, this was good advice. Because we all, I don't know that we underestimated her so much as we properly estimated her, and she just went Super Saiyan somehow and won the entire thing uh, with the final round for the tiebreaker being against none other than Titus, the cousin of Count Bartleby Lothied of the county of Marat, the ruler of the entire area, their overlord for as long as they're here. And he's kind of an asshole, really. <laughs> Just no, no beating around the bush on that one. And he'd had it out for Inori personally a little bit, even in the short amount of time they've been here, even the few hours of the party that have passed so far. So unseating him with a natural 20 <laughs> to crit him with the lance in the final round, I don't know that there's a thing that could possibly have gone better than that. And knocking him unconscious was... Well, yeah, it turns out Lances do times three damage on a crit and double damage on the charge, which I realize now we did slightly wrong, but I'm okay with it because this kind of a situation has never actually come up before. Multipliers are additive, not multiplicative. So times three and a times two isn't a times six crit, which is what we did. It's times four because... Three is triple, so you get two more instances of damage, and then the charging is double, so you get one more instance of damage for four total instances of damage. It adds up that way. He still knocked it's, him on his butt. It still I'm, adds up I'm to unconscious. I'm pretty sure the times four lance crit would still have knocked him out anyway, but for future reference, we did make a rules mistake there that someone pointed out to me later that I was not aware of, because I don't think we've ever actually had a stacking multiplier situation. It doesn't come up that often. It does not, no. There are not very many ways to multiply your weapon damage. So it's it's pretty uncommon. I mean, I actually can't think of a situation outside critting with a charging lance that would cause that to happen. I'm sure there are others. A uh, but... weapon with brace... Oh yeah, basically against the same thing. Being someone charging. Against. Yep, fair enough. Can you turn your mic up a little bit, Mancha? Just, uh... Just uh, like maybe. 20. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like 20% or so. So, uh, and I... 
I say that because as I touched on previously, this is not a professional Pathfinder group by any means. <laughs> we here are all still learning and by learning, hopefully teaching as well. And I don't want people to A, feel left out of the loop because they don't know every bit of the ins and outs of the Pathfinder gaming system. Like, I don't know, Dara, for instance, who has never played Pathfinder before, who was our teaching stick for this particular campaign. Or B, to come here and uh, learn some things incorrectly that I do not address later. So I'm not above admitting fault. If we do something slightly wrong, we'll, uh, we'll go over it. If someone calls me out on it, that's, I'm totally okay. But we left off immediately at the end of that joust because due to the tiebreaker round, it went on longer than anticipated and we were more than, more than definitely out of time there. So at the end of the joust, you had been crowned victorious. You had been given the chalice with the engraving of the house crest of the Lothied family, uh, the rampaging owl. And Titus is the runner-up and given a small silver ferret, which I believe, if not we, I nicknamed the ferret of shame. <laughs> and you got a bouquet of hyacinths to get to a spiritual companion. A little confused by these kind of backwoodsy traditions here. Honori dedicated this to her father. Everyone had a good laugh. Pointed out he literally needs to hand it to somebody. It's like a community building thing. And he gave it to Baron O'Kara, who uh, ended up stepping down to officiate the joust in the last few rounds and run these final bits. And everyone had a good laugh. It was a great time. That is wrapped up. Uh, over behind the stands, Kahina was off playing trucko with Dame Crab and a couple other nobles. That's I don't know. Plane's a very strong you word there. You were categorically playing trucko. <laughs> Failing at trucko would be Yeah, better. but I mean, by definition of playing, somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. This is true. This I think the point that you got cut up on is you don't have to lose every time. It's generally supposed <laughs> to kind of be like a back and forth kind of deal. But, next uh, someone else can do that. I won't sometime. let that stand in my way. Next time, I'll I'll make sure I I win we one. We found out the damn crab is actually really good at trucko. I mean, Ooh. it's not. You are also very bad at trucko. Make no mistake. <laughs> but it's Horrible. not just that. Straight. It, I don't think I've ever rolled that many eights in a row in my life. It was actually miraculous. Neither has anyone else. So yeah, no, I don't think anybody on the face of this planet. You rolled eight. I don't know. You wanted to make. You made. I want to say like 10, 15 rolls. I think you rolled. At least half of them were exactly mm -hmm. eight. Exact eights. It was actually time. crazy. It was this total insanity. But after that, after uh, everyone has come down, everyone's having a good laugh about having the bouquet of hyacinths to Baron O'Kara, and uh, everyone is more than excited with the results of the joust. Uh, there's a crowd of the various nobles and aristocrats here at the party, as well as the just flock of servants and jesters uh, coming to help out cleaning up the area and getting the tilt deconstructed and out of the way uh, already immediately, even as the crowd is just gathering around Inori. Uh, everyone is elated. These are sports people, these are country people, and they love a good show. And they love, beyond that, a real good underdog story. As you didn't open particularly strong in this joust, uh, you weren't, let's say, seated very well. 
But somehow, against all odds, Inori Dentho took the crown. Well, not everyone is completely elated about this. <laughs> you can see Titus himself and his uh, hangers-on that seem to be falling around everywhere. His little crowd is hype men, uh, as well as a couple of servants, uh, just slinking quickly away from the tilt back towards the Palace of Birdsong proper. And as everyone is gathered around, Anori uh, and Baron Okara are here at the middle. Okara, once again, congratulates you. Uh, before gesturing back over towards the Palace of Birdsong itself. Uh, I believe in the in the wake of this here, Count Bartleby's going to give his remarks, his speech. Uh, so I think we're supposed to all be gathering down near the fountain. And he points over down just south of the tilt to a fountain nestled between one of the great towers coming off the west end of the palace and the porch where you'd all exited initially. And, uh... Apparently, most of the people that are familiar with this jubilee are largely already headed over there. You can see an assortment of nobles that are already kind of around the fountain or drifting that direction, as well as the majority of the guards that have been posted out around the back porch in the backyard, lining up along one of the raised patio areas, uh, with the Count himself uh, standing near the end with his seneschal. So everyone heads over, and let me move us over to the map here so you can get an idea of just where we're looking at. We are down here, around by this fountain tucked here in the corner. Uh, and everyone just kind of gathers around. Uh, Titus has ended up over here. He just went over a little earlier than everyone else, trying to get away from his shame uh, over on the jousting pitch itself. And as everyone kind of trickles in, just muttering and conversing, everyone again, except Titus, fairly happy with the outcome of the events, and Titus and his little group just kind of tucked away in the corner. Even Sepsinia has managed to come all the way outside, though she is kind <laughs> of at a distance back uh, about as far as you can be while still being around the general area where you are just kind of expected to be, as uh, Count Lothied and Sergei Saren up near the north there prepare. She has at least come out of her corner. Yeah, she's found... I mean, it's kind of difficult to find a proper corner here, so I guess she's found about the closest thing she could, <laughs> given this area. It's just up kind of near the edge of the... Up Derp's the big, future wife. The big tower itself. <laughs> I mean, this would be yep. a perfect opportunity for Kahina to share what she'd learned from Dame Crab earlier, that if you want in with her... Yeah. You got, a, yeah. You got one pretty good access. I mean, she is the overseer of Moost, which is the furthest west town in Marat. It's not a very big town, but none of the towns in Marat are. You kind of got to temper your expectations coming out from Apara here, because Lothidar nearby, which is at best a small town, it is actually a small town. Population like 1,500. By far, you would have ridden through on the way here, that is by far the largest town in the entire county. Hmm. There are about as many people total in Marat as, like, half of one district in Opara. This is farmland. I actually cannot overstate that. So. Let me get Sirenscape here before I forget, because we have got 
our ambience here. Shout outs again to Sirenscape for just being awesome and providing things other than music I can just play in the background. Uh, you can see through some of the windows here on the bottom floor of this massive tower. Uh, as you can see on the map there, you can just peek in, but it's just more mansion. Uh, this tower itself extends hugely above the rest of the manor itself. Uh, although the palace is incredibly large horizontally, it's only for the most part two stories. This tower is the only part of it that rises up above that main second level next to you. Uh, and as the afternoon is coming along here and the sun is almost at this point peeking behind the top of that tower, uh, casting about half of this courtyard here into shadow. Hence everybody kind of nestled up towards the front here. Uh, Sugusarn steps back and Count Lothied steps around and comes up towards the, uh, the stairs here, walking past in front of everyone, uh, raising a hand to a round of polite applause from most of the nobles as he approaches, which I assume that the majority of you would join in on, seeing as you're trying to fit in and all. Mm -hmm. And as he steps up to ascend the stairs, everybody roll me a perception check really quick. Uh, you don't have to have your character selected for this. You just gotta open your little sheet and just click on perception. The only thing you have to have your token actually selected for is rolling initiative. Oh, that's exactly what I did. It's such a habit. I mean, you can select your token. There's no downside to that. It's just it's not gonna do anything different. So, as Count Bartleby steps up... Are we short one? Oh, you did initiative. I'm always ready to go. <laughs> yep. Okay, so as Count Bartleby ascends the stairs here, there's a light breeze blowing through. It's uh, fairly cool. It's fairly comfortable. Uh, but a bit of a gust blows, and through just the edge of the shadow coming down from the top of this tower, Baylor and Inori. Just you two. Notice a glint. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, remember how we did the, uh, what was it, the stasis laboratory in Strange Aeons? How I gave you guys a quick description, and then you had like a three-second countdown to say, or, not, or, or stay silent, what you're going to do. We're going to do this as close to real time as possible. When I finish this description, I'm going to give you three seconds. Where does the glint come from again? I'm getting there. But I'm just letting you okay. know, because normally we just kind of have like a chill going along thing. You are going to have three actual seconds to say if you want to do anything to interrupt what's going on here. As he steps onto the base of the stairs, the little gust of wind, you see a glint of a wire blowing in the breeze. And the two of you at once see it. A tripwire is strung across the top of the stairs here, between these two supporting pillars, where Count Lothied is about to step. And in this glint up in the air, you can see that it stretches around this northern pillar and up over the crowd, where you can see it just kind of dancing in the breeze a little bit, up to the top level of the tower behind you. And each of you kind of see this, and you both turned your heads at once to look up there and see the very tip 
of a crossbow poking out from the window, aimed down at the patio below. What do you do? Three, two. Bartleby, stop! That's what I'll say. You yell out, stop, and he just kind of turns around and uh, steps forward once more up onto the tripwire. And as he touches it, you hear a crossbow fire, and the bolt strikes him in the chest as he turns around. He staggers backwards uh, with this crossbow bolt just sticking out, and the guards immediately jump to action. Gasps ring out from the nobles assembled here as nobody really has any idea how to react to this and everyone backs away, but the soldiers and the guards immediately make their way to the stairs and around Lothied, as does Sir Gull, backing up and drawing his sword and looking up towards the tower, trying to assess where this shot had come from. And he immediately, as well, sees the snapped tripwire flutter up through the wind, leading up to the crossbow upstairs, where he shouts and takes the contingent of the soldiers with him inside the, uh, or, go I guess there's a door down here, inside this southern door and into the tower to figure out what has happened. It's then rather silent. The crowd is struck. It's almost awkward. They, nobody knows how to react. Nobody knows what to do. Uh, the guards are gathered around Count Lothied. And uh, after a moment of just blowing winds and chattering birds... Baron O'Kara pushes past Ara and steps forward here. And he looks back up towards the tower as, where, as well where Gusarin had looked. And uh, passed towards Lothied. And he sees Count Lothied putting up a hand. And uh, Baron O'Kara calls out, Are, are you alright? What's happened? Everyone, get back! And he looks and the nobles are all still kind of like in shock. <laughs> this isn't, uh, this I isn't have really... A, and yeah, I was going to say, and I have a potion of cure light wounds. Can I, yeah. like, take it out and hand it to one of the guards and say, like, here, here's a, here's a potion. You pull a, you pull out a potion, and the right, guard yeah. nearest you turns around, and Count Lothied still with his hand up, uh, and the other hand kind of on, on the uh, now wound in his chest as they've uh, extracted the crossbow bolt. It kind of coughs. <clears throat> no, this is very much okay. I'm all right. Just, ret uh, I'll return in a moment. And he staggers in through the doorway here, uh, opening up this door, and just leaving it swinging behind him as the four guards follow with him. Off to a pretty eventful day already, um, aren't we? <laughs> when I, uh, we're... I mean, I've rolled pretty high perception. Would I have been able to tell whether or not that was a kill shot that hit him? Or, like, just, like, how exactly did he get, where did he get hit exactly? He got hit, like, up at the top of his chest or around the shoulder. Like, so definitely not in any Yeah, so it's not, it's not, looks like it's not going to kill him. He's not in any immediate okay. danger of dying or anything. But, uh, as he goes in... Baron O'Kara looks up at the crossbow and the still shocked nobles, which are now starting to uh, mutter and gas a bit, and already everyone is unsure of what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. 
It's still very oddly quiet. And Varen looks at the crowd and looks back up towards that crowd where we can already see up in the tower now. Uh, Suku, mm -hmm. Saren with the crossbow and several of the guards up there. And seeing that there doesn't appear to be any further immediate danger, Varen O'Kara follows inside as well after the, uh, after the count. I'm, I'm just going to look at our immediate party here. I'm... <laughs> what do we do here? <laughs> like, I'm gonna go rush over to my wife. Or <laughs> ah, she's what? already there. Of course, of course. <laughs> well, I suppose if he said he'll be back, there's no harm in waiting. Just mind your steps, everyone. That definitely was intended for him. And a uh, damn crab looks back towards the party and says, "I." I don't know what to say. I'm, I've never seen anything like this happen before. I mean, of course that... She just kind of stops. And just touches her lips a bit like she's thinking. Go on. Well, there's the troubles with the Night Swan in town, of course, but something like this at his own home in the palace? This is unheard of. This is unthinkable. Night Swan... Right. And she kind of stops for a second. None of you are from Marat. There's this... I, I don't rightly know what to call it. This criminal, this bandit, that's been harassing the citizens of Lothidar for weeks, if not months now, that Count Bartleby's, well, tried his best to deal with, or at least tone down her efforts or her effects. They've called her the Night Swan. I don't know if that's some sort of a title or how exactly it, it came about. I've heard she's just a bandit, that, a thief like no other that just prowls the streets. And then I've heard this Night Swan is really the guise of, of some monster crawling about from the countryside that preys on the weak and the poor of the town at night. But here... At the, with the Count? I don't understand. How would she have gotten past all the guards? And yes. I, uh... I, this is outrageous. This could have been my wife. I... I remember... I, uh, I noticed how well... Uh, they were guarding this place. And I wonder if this is really something so small... That could have gone here and set up such an elaborate trap. This is not someone who only had access to one area of this castle. And uh, Pison speaks up. That makes sense. The shot came from up in the tower up behind us. There's nobody outside the family is allowed up, uh, is allowed up there. She couldn't have scaled the thing from the outside. We've been out here all afternoon at the joust. She couldn't have gone inside. There's a half dozen guards posted at the only entrance that I place round the clock all times a day. Joust would have been the perfect distraction, though. For Everyone someone occupied with that and knew that this is where he would be going next. That moment when Lord Titus was thoroughly defeated, everyone was looking. There would be no doubt in my mind that was a perfect distraction. They probably took advantage of the moment where everyone was distracted. Titus speaks up. 
I'm distracted. I know that would have taken some time to set up. She knew exactly where my cousin was going to be, exactly how he was going to walk up there, and how he was standing. They put that tripwire in a place that, that nobody would possibly have hit it except for him. The guards came in from the sides, flanking the stairs or up on the patio. He was the only one that walked up the stairs proper, and we're all down here in the fountain. She wouldn't only have had to know the layout of the area. She had to know his exact plans. And Sir uh, Gusern uh, has been exceptionally vigilant. I find it hard to believe that she, he would have missed something that would have taken that long. And uh, another person here that none of you have spoken with yet speaks up quickly. Uh, and, and this man here is, even in this company of nobles here, and these people who largely very extravagantly display their wealth as much as they can on their body, stands out from the crowd. Uh, he has a ridiculous fur cape with uh, lines of gold filigree and even gemstones studded in around the back of the hem. And it crests up into, like, massive pads around his shoulders, uh, looking almost like faux leather armor, but it, you can just looking at it, it's purely for show. This man, frankly, almost looks ridiculous to a lot of you, I would be sure. And you can't help but wonder if this is, like, Marat? Fashion? High, yeah, Marat high just, fashion. <laughs> if this is just something very out of it. Uh, he's a fairly small man overall, leaning on an equally bejeweled cane uh, with what appears to be a massive sapphire set in its head, uh, leaning forward on it with both hands. And he speaks up. That's hmm. a shame what Taldor has come to. And even on our own doorstep, at the height of these festivities, it's lawless in the wake of the Exaltation Day events. It was only a matter of time until this rippled out into the surrounding countryside, emboldening these hooligans like this night swan. A strong country needs a stronger ruler. We're floundering. Now... Kahina, you didn't recognize this man uh, at all. None of you have spoken to him. But you recognize this voice from a couple of years back. For, well, somewhat obvious to you and somewhat under the table reasons, during your father's trial, you were not actually allowed into the chambers. It was claimed you were a risk and you were too close to the matter at hand. So all you could do was get as near as you can and listen through a nearby door or window. You definitely heard this voice as one of the witnesses called against your father. But you'd never seen the man until now. You are sure of it. You have no idea what he's doing in farmland Marat or how he's connected to your father, or Pytharius, or anyone involved, really. And for those of you... Uh, actually, no, I don't think we've had anything with this yet at all. There's nothing you're missing that no everybody else isn't either. This is the, uh, the first time this has come up. 
Or Dara, because, yeah, Kahina's just, like, <clears throat> grabbing his arm and probably driving her nails into it. You can, you can good feel thing like you Dara. You can, you can actually feel, like, physical rage coming off of Kahina as this man speaks. And you're not really sure why. And it's possible, like, just hearing a voice, you might not even immediately be sure why. It might even take you a second, like almost for, until he's done speaking, to put together where you recognize this voice from. But uh, as as he finishes, Paisma speaks up again. I don't know about all that, but you'd think with 20, 30 guards on the payroll, we could stop things like this from happening. I'm not much one for stories, but I'm inclined to agree with Dame Crab here. This night swan not be a person at all. It seems to be a damn force of nature. Well, if it is this night swan, they're a kind of a bit of a coward, setting up a a, a trip wire to fire a bolt a bolt that to do the job. They probably would have got it done if they'd done it themselves. And as I'm saying all this, I'm gonna be like perusing the crowd, see if I can get a rise at anybody basically calling the assassin a crowd a, a coward if they're still here. Right. Apparently the the whole thing didn't work out. I mean, a tripwire and a and a shot. If you had your own hands on it, you might have been able to pull it off. I don't know. Call it Mickey Mouse. I can't say Mickey Mouse, but you get the idea. <laughs> Call it Galarian equivalent. Yes, Galarian, <laughs> Galarian equivalent to Mickey Mouse. <laughs> so as you look around, uh, no one seems to react per, uh, particularly strongly to this, but. Baroness Voynum speaks up. Well, she's the one that replies to you, really. Well, it seems simple enough to me. Whatever this Night Swan is, if this is her doing. There's so many gods here and so many people. Surely she didn't want a straight-up fight. From what I've heard about the events and the goings-on in Lothidar, she works in her shadows and with subterfuge behind the scenes. She's not out in the streets preying on the peasants as it is. The downtrodden and the poor. This is... And she looks back up towards the window. Seemingly a, a tactical decision. And a sound one at that. It makes her all the more dangerous. Which, Simply a message saying that you're not safe no matter where you are. And it could also mean that she's still here. Like you said, if she set this up to make the shot for her, it's entirely possible she knew she couldn't get out if she fired it herself. She might still be on the grounds. Everyone just, no one has like any immediate response to that. And then Dam Crab speaks up. Why don't we head inside? Uh, nothing's going to be accomplished by us all standing around the scene here. Besides, the servants are still around. I'm sure everyone could use a drink uh, before the feast begins here shortly. Sounds like a fantastic idea. What would you recommend around here? Oh, boy. So, uh... Uh, as soon as you say that, you hear flute noises as Purplefish <laughs> just kind of slides in up next to you with her flute in hand. I said, did you ask for recommendations? I have plenty! Let's hear one then, Purple Finch. And she just, not one, she starts to go off on quite the tangent 
uh, as she just goes into uh, a series of what starts to sound like a almost just like a listing of noble houses with the names of these various things, which kind of forks off very quickly into things that sound more and more ridiculous. And she's reading them off at a ridiculous pace, uh, just tearing through them uh, what seems to be almost as fast as she can. And as she gets further and further down the list, you honestly start to wonder if she's even listing drinks anymore, rather than just making up funny-sounding words. <laughs> but, eventually, she takes a deep breath, stops, and says, Oh, and the maid, of course, is great, too. Fabulous. Thank you for the list. I do appreciate it. And with that, uh, I imagine are we all heading inside here? Oh, yeah. Yep. Kahina's, like, got her arm around there. Dara and is just, like, pulling. This right. <laughs> is just, like, we need... Yeah, we need to get... Yeah. Now, is she a good actor, all, though, course. or does it look like she's pretending? Okay, no? Well, well I mean, it, it could very well just be the stress of a crossbow bolt hitting someone directly in front of her. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be played off. No immediate, also, uh, she's a bard, so yeah, she's a good actor. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> what I was getting at. Because I, I clearly, I don't think she's scared, scared, but portraying so it. You head back inside, and things are certainly a bit quieter now. Uh, a bit more reserved, should it be, uh, as it would be. But Crab's not wrong. It doesn't take a whole lot of alcohol to get people to loosen back up a bit. <laughs> and not too long... After that, uh, the Count comes back out, uh, comes back down with Sir Gusern and his contingents of guards uh, following him along. And as he comes out, he, he has his hand up, just kind of waving dismissively as, as everyone in the area immediately turns to look at him. Uh, he's changed his shirt and his jacket out for one with less of a crossbow hole in it. <laughs> but less blood. Otherwise, he seems to be no worse for the wear, really. He's not, like, limping or staggering at all. He's walking perfectly fine as he did before. And as he enters the room, uh, Baron O'Kara had come back in and rejoined you a little bit earlier. He steps up. Baron O'Kara, I'm sorry. Baron O'Kara steps up, uh, as if to just make sure everything's okay. And Kalothi literally puts his hand out and puts it on, uh, Baron O'Kara's shoulder immediately. And just says, Friend! Don't worry. Everything here is under control. That damnable night swan can't long delay a Lothied. So, where were we? I gotta say, Count, I definitely respect the uh, the lack of being intimidated. You just took a crossbow bolt to the chest. Well, we can't give the lot what they want, can we? No, I don't disagree. If one of these low lifes and simply gallivant in here lend one crossbow bolt on a member of the Lothied family that they themselves weren't even there to fire and all of our festivities here come to a halt they strike fear into the hearts of the aristocracy into the soul of the people of Marat or whatever it is she aims to do they've won will not stop our party though I believe that has eaten up a fair amount of our time so forget the speech on with the feasting and uh with that uh, there is very much uh cheers <laughs> ring out through the hall 
Everyone is super on board with the feast, and he orders the servants to uh, immediately and slightly early get everything prepared in the Great Hall for the feasting. Now what they do is they begin to haul huge wooden tables, uh, easily 20, 25 feet long, and lay them end to end across the ballroom uh, where you'd gone before when you'd been assigned Purple Finch and your jesters as the formal dining areas attached to it a little bit to the south, but it's just a bit too small for, you know, like 40 people and a gaggle of servants and all that. It's not quite that big. It's for a slightly more intimate affair than the stage of a jubilee. And they not turn party-sized. Not party-sized. <laughs> Fun-sized, not party-sized. They turn the ballroom into a grand feasting hall uh, spectacularly quickly actually and before anyone sits down it seems there are more marat traditions to be had here uh it's not so much a matter of manners or procedure or even just being fancy it's just how they've really always done things here uh, everyone is organized around the outside of the ballroom in a big ring. And before anyone is seated, servants come out, exclusively halflings, dressed as sheep and or pigs or bulls, full costumes, uh, all over the face and everything. Each of them holding above their heads ornate silver platters with the corresponding meat for whatever their garb. And uh, these servants, these halfling servants, gallivant around the room, half skipping, half jogging, <laughs> carrying these platters of meat above their heads. And uh, as they pass by, there's some oohs and ahs and some gentle applause from the crowd as various things pass in front of them. But it strikes the rest of you, not from Marat County, as I would imagine sort of a weird ceremony. A little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't you guys go ahead and roll me some sense motive checks? I mean, get the garbage dice out of the way. We're not fighting things or jousting. Yeah. This works for me. <laughs> so, as uh, each of these servants pass by, you don't really have any ability to see their faces, obviously. They're completely dressed up in these, these animal outfits. But you look around to all the guests, all the residents of Murat County, and it's, this just seems to be a normal thing. Like, nobody is the slight bit, the slightest bit, like, off-put by this or anything. Nobody seems to consider this, perhaps, weirdly demeaning for the can servants. I, can what I speak in halfling and ask one of them if this is a normal thing? Uh, I mean, they're they're going by kind of, like, in a, in a line pretty quickly. They're not, like, stopping in front of anybody. Okay. You can, uh, as you ask them in halfling, they don't no, but they don't respond to you anyway. Uh, but you do get a weird look from Baroness Voinum standing next to you as you start speaking halfling, like kind of a raised eyebrow. Like, that's weirder than the 
occurred <laughs> going on in front of you right now. And uh, after this is over, after a few minutes, and each of them, they loop around in front of everybody and then down to a place in the two rows of tables where they lay their platters uh, as other servants dressed more normally and less being halflings bra- uh, bear out the pitchers and the tankers, the tankers of the various drinks, the salads, the breads, all the other side things that go along with this. And once this whole procession is complete, still, nobody moves to sit yet. Everybody waits. As Count Lothied steps forward uh, with a large scroll of paper in his hands, just like he did originally at the assigning of the various jesters, and reads down the list, uh, not of guests here, but of the jesters that have been assigned to everybody. And it seems how this works is the, as each jester is called, they make their way onto the floor and just select wherever they are going to allow you to sit. Now it's been some time since the joust. There wasn't really any opportunity for social rounds or anything because it's kind of, you know, an awkward situation. Everyone was Stuff's kind of been happening was a little too much. Things are happening. No one was really open for for friend making hmm. at the moment. But you've probably had a good half hour, maybe more, to find uh, find washrooms and freshen up from the joust, or perhaps even change clothes if you needed to. You had uh, the opportunities to to do whatever you, whatever you needed to prep before this feast. Uh, and before the meat parade, after the feast had been setting up, you still had another 15, 20 minutes there. So did any of you... You didn't have time for a social round, but is there anything you wanted to do specifically before the seating here? Kahina would probably have, uh, under the guise of going to freshen up or whatever, pulled Dara aside and told Dara what was going on. Why, why the murderous rage was like flowing off her in waves and why there's probably crescent marks in his upper shoulder at the moment. Who was the lady that looked at me weird? Uh, Baroness Voinum. It was the one that I... Who had talked to Voinum before? Was it Inori that talked to Voinum? Inori or... talked to her and couldn't Inori get literally her, anything, yeah. I believe. Yeah, she hated my guts. Was, uh, the fairly mm-hmm. stern one who did not appreciate Inori's... Didn't seem to appreciate Inori's attempts at fear at all, no. Okay. Uh, it didn't, didn't go great. I would have just explained to her that my uh, art instructor is a halfling, so it rubbed off on me over time. So anything else will be good for the the ceiling. So Dara gets explained to him the I don't know how much how much you telling him about like the whole situation just, beyond. I'll just I'll I'll let him know that once we're away from where there might be like prying ears and back, you know, in the new house, I'll explain everything to everyone. But But I'll but, have like a higher awareness of that one yeah, guy. Just but to- know that He's one of the reasons my father's in prison. And I would know that voice anywhere. And I don't know, and more or less, I don't know whether or not he rec- he will recognize me. So it's more of a warning that he may know who I am. Okay. So as the seating commences, there are a few groups that get set down before you, and the pairs and trios are groups of nobles and aristocrats each follow their jesters and take their seats along these various long tables and eventually purple finch is called and still 
infinitely playing her flute and trying her best to make jokes, which, I mean, occasionally, broke a clock twice a day, so she, she tries. Sometimes it's funny. Uh, What's a clock? I think you have clocks. <laughs> I, I feel like if you have the technology to make giant cannon robots, you probably have the technology to make clocks. Clocks. Yeah. Do we have them in this country, though? In Taldor? Yeah, yes. probably. Yes? Hello? Absalom is like... A, the, you're the closest country to the island of Absalom that there is. That's like the main trading partner of Taldor. I'm positive you know what a clock is. But, uh... Clock then again, constructs aren't exactly a rare thing. Yeah, the technological curve of, of uh, Galarian as a whole is kind of odd sometimes. You have... Like we aren't on the shackles anymore looking at sundials on boats. Yeah, you got like super, super basic <laughs> firearms, like black powder firearms, but you've also got clockwork golems because it's like half magic. It's, I don't know, the, the technology here is weird, but I'm positive you guys have functional clocks. Anyway, uh, you're seated, and uh, the Lothids being the hosts are the last ones to seat. Uh, and what strikes you again kind of as odd is there's no waiting for everyone to be prepared. As soon as a group is seated and their jester has brought them to their area, they just start digging in. So everyone's, to you, kind of awkwardly just watching the first group or two eat food, just waiting for their jesters to be called before you actually sit down. Uh. Again, the Marat traditions seem to be different <laughs> than those that you would be more used to closer to civilization but as you are eventually seated and again as i said finally the lothids seat themselves as the last ones to come around uh titus passes by you and as he does he claps a hand on Honorori's shoulder and just kind of stands there for a second you can just feel titus's hand on your shoulder <laughs> she's gonna brush it off obviously and <laughs> Look up at him. You okay there, big guy? Yeah, that that would be a little creepy. You, you brush it off, and you turn to look at him, and he's got about exactly this expression on his face. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> he's conscious now. He's feeling himself. He Well, probably not in public, but he's got about exactly <laughs> this expression on his face right here. And he just says, no. No, of course. I uh, just wanted to congratulate you. That was a fantastic job you did there in the joust earlier today. Oh, well, thank you very much. I, uh, didn't feel like we had the chance to introduce ourselves properly earlier, but, oh, I'm sorry. Purple Finch! He barks out, and your, uh, your jester turns to him, hearing it's kind of like an angry voice, and, like, raises her flute to play it for a second, and thinks better, and just kind of puts it down and says, Yes, sir. Says, what is, what is your job? It's just, I'm to assist in the entertainment and tending to the needs of the Betney heirs, sir. And he gestures down at you and at Dara and at the group here. And you didn't offer them washing facilities or clean clothes or anything to take care of themselves. How dare you? I thought we got cleaned so. up before we came. <laughs> you, you did. Okay. 
So I'm, I'm going to make a little joke. By all means. I, I, I thought that part of the job of a jester is to tell of the flounderings of the nobles. Directly looking at him. That was so <laughs> close. Oh. oh, this could go badly. <laughs> I mean, I want to duel him, so. And you, uh, you joke, you try to joke at him, and he looks back at you and just kind of raises an eyebrow. And he gestures to you, and he says, I, I mean, seriously, what, you, did you even participate in the joust? Have you even had an opportunity to change since you've gotten here? Purple Finch, we'll discuss this later. And he has this huge grin on his face as he just turns. Titus, uh, don't you have a cleric to see or something? Just, why are you over here? Why are you here? He's already walking away. Okay. He's already walked away back to his seat. Good talk. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are dirty. And uh, Purple Finch, who's kind of standing behind you, most of the jesters and the servants. Uh, the servants are moving the meats around, uh, so everyone can try out various ones. Uh, occasionally, just coming through and swapping out one meat tray with another, and the side dishes are just in bowls everywhere. But the jesters that are assigned to each you were just around. So Purple Finch is just kind of standing behind you. And she has her flute down still in her hands and she's just kind of shuffling a bit. She says, Aww. well, I, uh, hmm. Kahina would turn around and like place a hand on her and be like, I think you're doing a fabulous job, dear. Don't listen to him. You've done nothing wrong. He just simply wants to make a fuss with us in particular <laughs> someone's just mad he got knocked on his butt it's just, i'm well, gonna do it again if by you a girl you're talking like that <laughs> <laughs> and, i'll make sure uh, to clock him good for you later she just oh no no please it's 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 very much okay he he didn't mean it i think he meant it more as a joke to you <laughs> well regardless of how he meant it whether it's towards you or towards us more so the reason for me to duel him later. I wanted to, and he's simply giving fuel to the fire. And uh, Pearl Finch looks sort of more uncomfortable, and she says, no, no, uh, please, it's, it's it's very much okay. Now, is there anything you need? Is any of the meats you would like to try? Can have the servants fetch anything for you? Different drinks? Foods? Different company? I can do it all. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like that, she seems like she's mostly over it and back to business. And with that, the feast continues. So why don't each of you guys go ahead and throw me up some initiative here? Because this is actually a pretty perfect time for you to get to know some people. You're sitting around at this table just, I mean, feasting. This is the premier friend-making opportunity in Noble Town. Oh, you need tokens. Yeah. We need tokens. Yeah. I forgot about that. Aha, tokens. Jokes on you, I had them here the whole time so I can pop them up while you're talking. Spicy. I mean, Spicy I'm glad to get the low dice, dice out now. Yeah, this is this <laughs> roll literally doesn't mean anything. This is just for purposes of organization, so it's perfectly fine to roll absolutely terrible here. Or to roll pretty good. In case and in case. we will. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I love Jeez. rolling terribly. So, let me uh, let me just roll fire oh, I when I don't need it. The, yeah, you just save your your really good rolls for. You need save it. it. Save my ones for later. Oh, you'll have plenty of ones. Don't worry. I've known you long enough to know that you have plenty of. Uh, I know. There's there's no. I need there. better. I need a new character sheet and better dice. So, <laughs> as the feast progresses, 
uh, people move around and uh, even start to spread out into some of the surrounding entertaining spaces to just get to meet up with whoever they want, really. Uh, so you have access to any of the nobles here. You can chat up anybody you want to. Kahina, is there anyone you had in mind? Now let me see. I can give you guys just like a table of options here over on the side. Believe that's everyone, because uh, right except Purple Finch, obviously you can't influence Purple Finch. He's just a servant. But uh, you can even talk to the Count himself right now, as this is one of the times where he is most available. Oh. Dara's going next, so. If you want to go as a pair, you guys can yeah, go over to somebody. I like the I like the pairing up idea. Okay. Um, well, I kind of wanted to go talk to the um, Baroness Adela because I know uh, I was listening to her out at the fountain, and I thought that she seemed very apt in her what she was saying. So I thought I could kind of go talk to her and maybe connect with that. Okay. okay. So Good you uh, you want to go talk to Voinam? Are you both going to go talk to Voinam? <laughs> um. I was also thinking about going to her, so... Are we going to have the team go to the Baroness Voinum? <laughs> Actually, I'll go to the, the honorary... The descends on Voinum. I, I think I'm going to go over to back to Pyscom. That's also I'm... where I'm going. Okay. Okay, so yeah, you I'm gonna and go with uh, Nell want to go talk to Pyscom. Mm -hmm. So we'll go ahead and do both of you two together. Nell, you haven't talk to her yet, have you? Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. Have you? Have you? Yes. When did you talk to Pyscom? Uh, right before the whole jousting started. That was my last... Uh... Oh, yeah, you did super briefly. Did I tell you about the tavern? That's going to be a no, I assume. I don't, yeah, I, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. So uh, when you go talk to Pyscom, you've had a long journey here. And your wagon, uh, and your your carriage, not a wagon. I guess a carriage is just a fancy wagon, really. You had a long <laughs> journey here in your carriage, and you passed a, a whole lot of things in, in Apara and both even in Murat, as you briefly rode past the outside of Stockies and then through Lothidar. But it's been bugging you. You know, you recognize that name from somewhere, Honora Paisco, but you're just not positive where and over the duration of the joust and then all of the resulting events here and getting settled in the feast you finally re remembered what it is it was a sign that you had passed on the edge of stockies honora's wolf whisker it was a tavern sign honora's not a very common name well you think this lady uh, before she got promoted to honorary tribune or possibly even afterward also runs a tavern and that's probably of interest to you i would imagine <laughs> very much so so the two of you head over uh, make your way over to piscom at some point and she's kind of detached from a lot of these nobles uh largely in a group by herself there are no other nobles or tribunes or anything from stockies or from the area and as she's told you she just kind of got promoted into this position out of necessity she doesn't super fit in here and it I mean everyone's polite enough and she finds people to make conversation with and she seems to enjoy drinking but she's just she's not really one of the nobles and it's even more evident than it was previously at the feast 
as although she is not off in the corner, she is seated near the, the middle of one of the tables, it might as well be in a different room. <laughs> For as detached as she is from the goings on in the feasting hall here. And as soon as everyone starts to get up and move around, she is one of the first to literally go out of the room and find a couch elsewhere, to which, uh, to where you two follow. So you approach, uh, Pyscom. Do you want to talk to her, or do you want to just try to make some checks? Because again, uh, the way the social rounds work, in order to not have the gala be ten sessions, if you don't have anything you actually, like, want to say to her or ask her, it is perfectly acceptable to just walk up and say, I want to make a discovery check, or I want to make an influence check to represent the next 20 minutes of talking to her. Because okay. if we if we even have, like, a a two-minute conversation every time each mm -hmm. of you walks up to an NPC for a social round. The gala will be five sessions. Mm -hmm. um, I did want to talk to her, not super in-depth, uh, more so just to ask about the tavern and about knowledge, local things. So the, the whole conversation about the tavern can happen at any time, so we can just do that another time. I'll just pretend that's what we were talking about with Knowledge Local. Okay. So, uh, are you trying to influence? Discover. With the 14, I don't think it matters. Let me see. But where are you trying to influence or discover? Because discover is... I don't need to discover anything for her. Discovery checks. Oh, you're just going for... Oh, yeah, you're already influencing her. Uh, and actually, with a 14 on Knowledge Local... Because just kind of threw that for her because I should say over. Oh, with a 14 on the Knowledge Local... I mean, talking about taverns does seem to interest her. I, I mean, I, I could do uh, lore taverns if you would prefer. Uh, well, whatever it is you're talking about, she does seem somewhat interested. And her demeanor to you over the course of the afternoon has started to change a good deal. Where at first, she, she was never like openly hostile, but she pretty clearly didn't really like you. She just saw you as more nobles coming in to oversee uh, Marat and take over. Nobles it. coming in and taking our jobs. Well, nobles coming in with no idea what they're doing, but thinking they know what's best for everyone, really. But with you talking to her throughout the day and now discussing uh, running a tavern, and not just on a surface level, because this is something you have Lord Taverns you've very much looked into doing yourself, she's realizing that you are... You're not like the rest of the girls, no. And... Mm -hmm. You kind of share her mindset a bit. Not just about drinking, but just you're, you're not coming and thinking you know everything and you have the solution to all the problems and your word is law. And she's definitely starting to come around to you a bit. At least she doesn't seem like she is just tr taking any opportunity to get away from you guys at this point. Uh, Kahina, do you want to throw an also? I wanted to make like... I, I don't know if it would be discovery or just asking for information or what. I kind of, because we kind of know how the nobles feel about this night's one. I kind of want to know what the how the common man feels about the oh, night's one. Yeah, that's just talking to her. That's just, that yeah. doesn't take a social action or anything. You can just talk. This is what I mean. If you want to RP talking to like to learn something or to mm -hmm. uh, have a conversation that there's something specific you want to bring up, <laughs> you can definitely do that. So you, you ask her. What she knows about the Night Swan. Yeah. So I, everybody seems to be very afraid to talk about it. But, you know, if we're going to live here, especially in, in the place that you know best, what can we expect? Well, I'm probably about the worst person here to ask about it, I have to say. Like I said, 
I'm the champion of Stockies. I have been for the last, well, handful, half dozen years. I don't get up to Lothidar much. And aside from these jubilees and matters of business with the Count, in which I'm pretty much in the palace, of, this palace here and then right back down to Stockies in the south, I've only heard the tales. We've got our own troubles to deal with, and while the Night Swan may eventually become one of them, uh, whatever she is, we haven't heard much about it yet. So she is not something that we should worry about being a concern right now for us. She's not hassling the people of Stockies that we need to put in extra protection for them from her, or... No, she's a... Uh... I guess she probably considers herself a vigilante of sorts up in Lothidar. Uh, from what I've heard, she kind of lowers her voice a bit. From what I've heard, she thinks herself a bit of a freedom fighter. Uh, kind of one of those anti-establishment types. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but slavery isn't, hasn't been legal in Taldor for a hundred years, so I don't really know who she thinks she's freeing, but... If you ask me, she's got some of her own problems with either Lothidar or apparently after today, the Lothids themselves perhaps, and she's just taken out the common people. To her credit though, most of the stories I hear isn't really her going after the weak and the deposed, so as they'd tell you, it's her going after the guard and the nobility and mm. the royal houses. I see. Well, I guess since it is not currently our problem, but uh, we will we will let it be Lothid's problem, and hopefully he can uh, he can deal with it. But it is good to be aware of such things should she decide to uh, pick on the new nobles in town, as it will, or as it were. To be honest, up until today, I kind of thought she was a local legend, like a kind of cover story. Oh, sorry about the uh, delays on approving these forms. Night Swan, or sorry taxes had to go up this year, the Night Swan. Kind of thought of her as just sort of a boogeyman, but I mean, Count Lothied's a fairly hardy man, I'll give him that, but I doubt he'd be one to take a crossbow sh bolt to the shoulder just to prove a point. True, true. Yeah, it would be to be awfully poor taste to do something like that too in front of all of your guests. I don't. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know the man, but I. No, I, I'm sure it's not. But that's what I'm saying. This is the yeah. first I've really seen of any of any of her work. If this is this night swan, uh, it's hmm. possible there isn't really even a night swan. It's just still just a, a tag that gets attributed to any of these events or occurrences or banditry mm. and all now assassination attempts, but it's the first I've heard about something like this happening. Hmm. Well, we shall have to just be vigilant then. Thank you. I didn't think I would probably get a straight answer out of Dame Crab or any of the others about this. They seem to be more interested in drinking the night away than to deal with what's obviously a problem in front of their Dame face. Dame Crab is very interested in drinking the night away. <laughs> <laughs> That is absolutely what she's into. So, uh, do you want to take a discovery, or...? 
Um, yeah, I'll I'll points? take a I'll take a uh, a discovery for okay. her. So her discoveries are sense motive or knowledge local. Alright. Roll me. Roll you a roll. Damn dice. Uh, yeah. Pick I'm a dice. To... Pick a dice. That's going to be a sense motive because my knowledge local. local is Garbo. Uh, sense motive 15? Is that good enough? They're not particularly high DCs. Uh, it is not, no. Okay. And so you talk to her a bit, but you're more focused on getting information at the moment okay. than you are about actually uh, trying to get in as you can. And you learn a bit about the Night Swan, but you don't feel like a, you leave it more to Nell uh, kind of commanding the latter part of the conversation with this tavern talk, which Honora is very much more interested in. So, Dara, you wanted to talk to Voinum, you said. Uh, yes. So I'll just walk over there and um, uh, introduce myself. Uh, hello, madam. Uh, my name is Doro Rostam, and I am new to the area. I noticed you had some very good points outside, and I was just interested uh, on who you are and what, what you do here. I don't know if uh, you haven't talked to her before yet, right? I don't think so. Only Inori did. Only Inori has, that's right. Yeah. So so as you approach her, she is one of the only ones here that appears to still be entirely composed. Uh, not really just going overboard on drinking, not really. And almost, it's not like anyone's being actively rude or anything, but manners are kind of being cut down a bit between the just enjoying the feast and everyone starting to get at least a wee bit drunk. But you notice with your uh, military background that Baroness Voinum here appears to be incredibly personally disciplined. She's not really got anything more on the line than anyone else here has. She's just here because she is the Baroness of the Voinum Barony. But she is still utterly composed and as completely herself as she was early in the afternoon or out before the joust out in the field. As you introduce uh, yourself... She responds to you more or less exactly the same way she responded to Inori. Uh, she nods, extends a hand. Says, Her Grace, Baroness Legate Adela Voinum. Of the Western Barony. You are the Bethany heir. It was a pleasure to make your acquaintance. Um, okay, and then... Uh... She just ignores, pretty much ignores what you said and just introduces herself. Gotcha. Okay. Can I roll a sense motive? Try and uh, learn something better? Yeah. You do still have your thing from your trait, remember, oh, yeah. too. That's it's true. Noble. That's a great idea. Trout, I agree. Trout. That doesn't take an action. You can use your trait to learn something about her for free and then still roll the sense motive if you want to. So, like, um, Baylor's walking next to me and he's like, hey, hey, do the thing, do the thing. Hey, use <laughs> your trait like, bonus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I'll do like, that. Hey, and, uh, don't you already know her? <laughs> wink, Normally, wink, I get on you people for shut up. It's not your turn, but I'm going to, for the time <laughs> being, make the exception for Bren Bob since she has. Wait, not what does his shirt say again? Right <laughs> I'm not derailing. It's helping. 
but, well, uh, like she tried to use it before, and it was on the one person she the couldn't. The one person who's literally the single person here is not a novel. Uh, but yeah, you have that campaign trait that lets you just recall a fact about a noble once per day. Uh, so if you want to learn either a strength, a weakness, or an influence check just for free, you can use your daily trait on Boynum. Uh, I would do that influence check. Okay, let me see what she's got. D6 here. Figured this is a good time to mention. Uh, did the plus two that Honori and I have make a difference for my knowledge local check? 16 instead of 14? No. Okay. I am giving track of the fact that you guys have the plus two for participating in the entire game. I had completely forgotten for the most of No, I definitely am uh, definitely checking DCs are too lower for you right now uh, okay. after, after the renown you've gotten just from participating in the Just. Uh, so, you remember a bit about her. Uh, and you recognize this name, Adela Voinum, because she was back in her youth, which at this point is at least several years ago, a military woman. And at that, cavalry. Uh, and she was a very effective uh, cavalry soldier in her time. She has, unlike you, actually participated in uh, the more recent Andorran Wars. And you could probably attribute that, as she had told Inori, to the scar across her nose. It is fairly prominent, and she makes no effort to hide whatsoever. And remembering her... With what you know of her, a cavalry soldier first and now a baron is second, she has great respect for other people that can handle themselves on horses, which would be great if you were Bryn, but you're Dara. So <laughs> a ride check would be a good way to influence her, demonstrating your knowledge and understanding of horses. Well, it's a good thing I used that for my extra one because I don't think that's going to be very helpful for any of us. Get um, that one out of the way. Yeah, just get that one out of there. How one's done. Um, <laughs> Take okay, it off cool. the table. So then, do you have I'll her, actually you do have her journal entry. I was just making sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm editing it as you speak. All right, so. and then you can also still roll a sense motive if you want okay. to learn an influence check, a strength, or a weakness. Okay. Yeah, I will uh, roll sense motive. And with a 12 on sense motive, you can pick up nothing from her. Uh, you have a very similar interaction to what Inori had previously. She's very business, and she's very stern. She's not rude at all, but y she kind of carries herself in a very, very serious way. And manners and general etiquette are just kind of a huge sticking point for her and you although you i mean you understand etiquette well enough are just not used to this level of interacting with nobility and it's kind of hard for you to get anywhere without feeling like that you're just making awkward fumbles or trying to control yourself and uh, carry yourself appropriately she just makes you feel like what you're doing is wrong even if you're not necessarily doing anything wrong, and she's not, like, directly calling you on or anything. She doesn't seem expressly displeased with you. You, uh, converse for a while, but you're... She makes you keep your guard up enough that you just don't really have any chance to learn anything about her for yourself. Uh, Inori. Um, 
I want to talk to the Count. Like, why not? Count Bartleby. Like to me. You know, and this is definitely an opportunity for you to do that. So you approach Count Lothied. Um, just, just, just checking on him again. You know, just, you know, hey, I just want to make sure you, 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 you just, it looked like pretty bad hit you took out there. You sure you're all right? And uh, again, just like he had before, he sort of waves a hand. He says, of course, I mean, it's going to take much more than a simple crossbow bolt to take a Lothied out of business. And he gestures to Titus, who is seated across the table from him. Uh, he says, you, you saw the fall that my cousin took early this afternoon, thanks to you. He's nowhere's for the wear. Titus <laughs> kind of grimaces and nods. So, I mean, if you don't mind my asking, uh, you, you seemed almost like this had happened before. Have you been attacked before? Hmm. No such thing. Not directly, of course, but... I'm no stranger to combat. I've been recent years, of course, not so much, but I've been in my fair share of battles, be they duels of honor or riding with the guard or soldiers to defend either my home or country. Now, and he kind of looks at you and uh, raises an eyebrow. And he pulls up a book he has on uh, on his waist. And he opens it up and flips through the first couple pages. And you can see that it is full of arcane writings. Uh, it's a spell book. Ah. And he looks at you and kind of gestures at it and raises a hand and says, uh, Do you mind? Curiosity if is all. Sure. So he quickly uh, encants and casts a spell. And you'd recognize this as just simple detect magic. And he holds the cone out towards you. He moves his hand up and down a bit as he just looks you over. And uh, the spell gets the attention of a couple of the other nobles that are sitting around, a few of which ooh and aw and give a little bit of applause, although he's doing this not at all for them. It's just simply for his own curiosity. As the spell finishes, he nods and smiles a bit. He says, so I thought... You're a wizard of sorts yourself, aren't you? I've been known to dabble a bit here and there, sure. And beyond that, I think you are one of the few I've met in my travels who is, as I, competent with spell and blade. Indeed I am. I pride myself on that art, in fact. It's a difficult task, to be sure, managing the arcane rites and weaving of your own personal magic the same time as wielding a weapon. It takes much practice and skill. It's commendable, to be sure. Oh, I've been, been practicing since I was a little girl. Yes, long time. And he nods over towards Titus and kind of grins a bit and says, perhaps after you've finished giving my cousin a lesson in jousting, you'd be one to teach him a bit for magic if you have spare time. I don't know. He might be a lost cause. Ouch! <laughs> Titus's face kind of drops, and he does. Of course, she says anything. it with a very big smile on her face. He just sort of glares at you, and uh, Count Lothi raises an eyebrow and looks up towards you. Well, you're certainly from the city, aren't you? <laughs> Ooh, snap! All in good fun. 
Um, just, I'm glad to see you're okay and that she's going to make her exit there and go back to uh, eating. I would like to use that as a, maybe a discovery check on him. Uh, discovery, you need to be able to talk to him for a bit. You, uh, you oh. certainly can right now, but, uh, he seems to have had a very quick change of, uh, heart from <laughs> actually kind of enjoying a conversation to immediately dismissing, so... Yeah, I noticed Seems I like stepped on a landmine there. <laughs> if you want to back away and use it elsewhere, feel free. But you, he is not going to dismiss you, so you can try to still make a check against him as you want. Uh, okay. So don't. I can. I can't roll discovery, but I can try. You can roll discovery. It's just okay. you, if you're gonna roll discovery or an influence, you're not backing away. You have to stay there because these represent like. Right now, about 20 minutes of talking to the guy. Okay, I got so, you. It's you were so, staying there and continuing right, to, uh, yeah. to learn something about him. But so, discovery for him, of course, would be sense motive or knowledge ability. Okay. Of course. And, uh, I mean, we'll go ahead and may the dice represent the situation here. <laughs> as usual with nice and Spicy three. As you try to fumble to recover there from... Perhaps what would be seen by some as a severe breach of standard etiquette. You are just completely unable to make any headway with Lothian as he is very curt with you now. And as Titus kind of notices that you are making an attempt here, his, uh, his face picks up a bit again as he's oh, kind of amused by the complete flustering that this devolves into pretty quickly before you excuse yourself and head off elsewhere. <sighs> Which leaves us with Baylor. What do you want to talk to, Baylor? The Baroness, I said. Oh, you also want to go talk to Baroness Flynn? Yeah. So you would go join in as Dara was talking to her. And uh, do you want? Do you have anything you want to talk to her specifically, or do you want to just roll a check of... Yeah, nothing specific. Just, just going for a discovery check, mostly. Okay. So discovery for knowledge, ability, sense motive. Do you want a... An influence, oh, 28, do you want, well, actually, that gets you a double. That is a, that's a real big, yeah, you are the guy with the, the knowledge. I have the knowledge be, nobility. This is what I do. Discovered by a, a thing. Wow, you get to learn three things. What do you want? You know a lot of nobility, apparently. I do. Like, I'm watching Dara doing the talking, and I'm just sitting back, like, you can't tell what's going on, but I'm reading everything. <laughs> so you can learn three things. You essentially human-shielded him in a conversation? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to learn? You can get three influence checks, you can get a strength, a weakness, and influence, you can get any comment. Uh, give me an influence first. Alright, let me get you this. Something uh, other than a ride check. Uh, that was like the worst one I could have gotten around. Spicy Ooh. D6 is going to be the six. Um, though she keeps a stern visage and is very much not at all one to be swayed by, like, physical threats or anything, uh, you feel like she would take the crossbow bolt from earlier and possibly not even move and continue speaking. <laughs> she does awesome. very much put a lot of pride into her reputation and the reputation of her family and her barony. So, 
on that side of things, she can very much be intimidated. It will be very difficult because she is not easy to intimidate by any means, but it is not as far from impossible. It's but like you you're asking me to try. You see with how seriously she takes herself. I feel like everything you just said involves not being able to be intimidated. But well, like I said, yeah. the various uh, the various influence checks have different DCs, and some of them are more effective than others. And she can be intimidated. You can't like threaten her physically, but she could be like blackmailing as a form of intimidating, okay. or uh, like rumor mongering, or anything that would undermine her family, her barony, or her reputation. It's less threatening her and more threatening the, the idea of her. of her. Yeah, exactly. But it's still going to be very hard because she is a very stern woman that looks like this. So it's not going <laughs> to be an easy time at all. But it, it is one of the, uh, the influence skills you could use. Uh, two more. What do you want? Give me another influence. Yeah, yeah I feel like we're good. <laughs> we already had four. Just, we already just, had four. Just pull the D4. <laughs> take the other one down. Five. Similarly, being a baroness who takes her job quite seriously, a like standard diplomacy seems to be the most straightforward avenue. Uh, the difficulty there is going to be that she is much, much more familiar with her role and her station than the rest of you. And that's not going to be a super easy route either. <laughs> But it is also possible. <laughs> what do you want for your last one? It's g possible she's just hard to influence. Yeah, just g g go ahead. Give me another influence. Yeah, let's just uh, waste yeah. this entire turn. Give him another one. <laughs> this is this is a D three now. One. Wouldn't have mattered. Still a one. Yeah. Beyond that, as you listen to them talk a little more, and you, you start to kind of steer the steer the conversation a little bit yourself, you realize that. She cares not just, of course, for herself and her own barony, but for all of Marat County and beyond that, all of Taldor. And she has put some time into looking into what first was the affairs and cultures of these surrounding areas and what turned from that into a sort of interest in cartography. And knowledge geography actually seems like it would be a very effective way to find common ground with her there you go wizard you got a knowledge are you happy <laughs> always all right so that's everyone right you all took one action mm -hmm. let's yep. get a second social round again highlighting why we kind of do these a little bit kind of go rather than 20 minutes of actual role-playing dialogue because it's just not viable brings us back to kahina all right, Kahina, she's gonna try her hand at Dame uh, Crab's daughter. You want to go talk to Sepsinia? Oh, let me go. Let me even talk get her to token. She is so in the corner. I missed her token when I copy pasted the token. <laughs> wow, that'll happen sometimes. First, she roll a perception them. check to find her. Yeah, yeah I well, should have to. There she, there, there she is. There she is. So, uh, you go try to converse with Sepsinia, who at this point, by the constraints of etiquette, is more or less required to stay at the table with Dame Crab, and hmm. based on Dame being very much happy there with a group of socialites discussing what appears to be the continued ex uh, exploits of nothing at all, 
So Obsidia hasn't really had an opportunity to excuse herself yet. But she is seated as far away as you could politely, uh, she could politely be from her mother without actually being entirely gone from the table. <laughs> uh, but as you approach uh, to talk to her, Dame Crab turns to you and immediately, loudly and boisterously as she does, welcomes you and invites her to sit with the family. Oh, thank you so much. I, I was missing out on all this wonderful conversation. I thought I would come over here and get to know everybody a little bit better. Now, the good news is you can get a seat right near right next on the other yes. side. All and this free space she to... made between her and her family. <laughs> Boom! Got him. Do you yeah, want got him, coach. some <laughs> dice? Because she has also knowledge, nobility, or sense motive to sense motive. discover. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sense motive at her face. Okay. Let's see what we can find out a little bit about her. And uh, with a 16, you find out that after nearly 20 full minutes of trying to discuss, and you stay there and talk to her until Dame Crab finally gets up, and uh, at this point, most of the dining hall is starting to disperse out into the surrounding rooms, and some of the platters have been ravaged and are being removed and brought back into the kitchens by various servants without their ridiculous costumes this time. At that first opportunity, Sepsidia takes the moment to excuse herself and, like, bolt as much as possible. Uh, it feels like nearly bolt as she just floats away. And after that whole time, you have, trying directly to engage her, barely been able to get anything out of her. And uh, it seems like not only... Would it be almost impossible to learn anything about her specifically, well, directly, unless you can figure out some other approach? It's almost impossible to even hold any sort of a conversation with Sepsinia. Uh, she just seems utterly disinterested. And when addressed directly, I mean, she'll reply. She's not rude. She's not ignoring you. But everything is the absolute bare minimum. And she takes the mm -hmm. first opportunity to just excuse herself and escape the conversation. There's... It's just no headway whatsoever being made here. It's, it's like really socially awkward. Like very, most very of the people like, I spent my weekend with. Completely okay. socially inept, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Dara. Okay. Um, Dara's going to excuse himself out of the conversation uh, with the Baroness. Yeah, and leave her to... with Baylor because he seems to be having more yeah, luck like, here. Good luck with that. Uh, and go and join his wife over with uh, the crab. Over with the crabs. With the crabs. <laughs> the crab. Uh, do you want to talk to Parthena or Subsidia? Um, didn't didn't Parthena already leave? I mean, that's at like Subsidia. the end of the social round. This is still, that's at the end of twenty minutes of her trying to talk to her. You're at like at the beginning of this. This is all happening simultaneously. So you, if you're going over there, you'd be joining her while they were still at the table. Uh, okay. Well, I do the mother dame Parthenia, right? Yes. And you want to, uh, do you want to just discover or try to influence her? Or what are we going for? Um, so I think I can influence her with, uh, uh, is perception? Let me go look. He's a praise and perception. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought it was. Um, so I would just, um, uh, start talking to her and... Roll of perception to influence. 
was perception influence or perception was discovery on her? I think the only oh, it might be discovery. It was sense motive or perception was discovery on her. Oh, okay. The only a phrase is the only actual okay influence skill you have for her right now. Okay, so I'm going to discover do a discovery roll with uh, perception. Okay. Hey. Well, well, there you go. That's a solid thirty. You get That's to learn. That's not our group name. To... <laughs> <laughs> ah, I mean, it's two zero perception. Uh, you get to learn two things. You already know her her uh, weakness. Mm -hmm. I'll probably just do two influence. Okay, well, she's got a bunch. One, two, three. Actually, she's also got six. So let's see. If you want two influence, two and five. Uh, it's easier to learn uh, with perception here. It's easier to learn by just watching almost than it is with actually interacting with her because as you've probably noticed by this point, everything she says is incredibly, her, her topics of interest are very much superficial. Uh, she is like fantasy Paris Hilton. That's the closest <laughs> analog I can make here. And, and there is just no substance to nearly anything she talks about. But She's a Kardashian, okay. Watching her, you can pick up on some mannerisms and some things she seems to show interest in as the conversation flows around her. Uh, and you figure, first of all, if she has a personality, you're not positive where it lives. Because she's <laughs> just like the shell of uh, a socialite here. And just being able to fit in and act as expected through knowledge nobility would be a, a pretty decent way to just interact with her. She doesn't take herself super seriously, but she does seem to expect everyone she interacts with to hold to the common standard of etiquette. So one that I'll give you for free is that more than anyone else here, some grievous breach of manners would be much, much bigger of an offense to Parthena than it would be to most people here. Uh, simply because it would put her in an awkward situation and she lives by not being in awkward situations. Otherwise, she seemed to take a whole lot of interest in the goings-on of the servants, especially the meat parade from earlier, and you think that any kind of a performance would capture her attention quite easily. And she is possibly easier to just keep entertained like a child than she is to actually talk to. <laughs> so any performance whatsoever hmm. would ah, be very a good performance check? Well, <laughs> wherever I'm sorry, did we you find see the bar somebody with performance, performance for this? Yeah. <laughs> Deal, Inori. No, you've got perform comedy, right? Yeah. That's been going yeah. great. Yeah, keep trying to roll no. that. That's been going too. fantastic no. so far. You've had a lot of success with Nels Perform Comedy. No. I don't think I've had a single dice roll on Perform Comedy over 10. <laughs> no, I don't think you have either. Just like me in conversations. I don't think you've had many attack rolls over 10, to be fair. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> wow. Um, I am looking to discuss with the lost boy himself, Sir Ghoul Gersol. So you want to go talk to oh, the special. And uh, the, the feast here, hey there, <laughs> you would think would be one of the few times that perhaps he would be off guard. And maybe 
Just maybe, in another world, at another Tanager Jubilee, he would have. But in light of the recent events with the crossbow trap, he is just not interested in conversation right now. So he is the only person at the moment that I guess you don't actually really have the ability to what, interact with. Not even if I was to ask him about what happened or if he had any intel on nothing. He is not interested in sharing. On the lookout. Quick question about him. What's up? Uh, the crossbow in that icon. Is that on his back or in his hands? It's, it is not on him. He just has a... a no, like in the picture. Oh, in the picture, I think it's on... Look at the journal picture. The journal I picture think it's in his hand. I'm pretty sure it's on his back. Oh, it is in his hand. You're right. Yes, okay, because if it was on his back, it is much, much larger than it appears to be. It's in his hand and somehow the string... Oh, it's kind of like up on his shoulder, basically. Okay. But yeah, he doesn't have that on him right now. He just has a sword. So, uh, do you want to try elsewhere? Because he's not super interested right now. <laughs> he is distracted by the crossbow bolt. Yeah, he's not going to give me any intel on that. Darn it. He's giving you nothing. Uh, man. <laughs> I don't like any of these right now. Well, you can just go try to learn, like, discover. I mean, there's never any downside to discovering. Like, if you flub an influence check really hard, it could be yeah. bad. But with discovery is just, like, the most casual of conversation. And uh, there's never any real risk to trying to just sense motive for somebody, because it'll work. Sense motive's for anyone to learn something somebody else could use more effectively. All right, I'll, uh, I'll try that then with um, Lady Lucrezia. Lady, uh... Lucrezia, okay. You have no, nobody's actually spoken there. I think this is the one person so far that nobody has actually interacted with, which is why there's not a name below that. Yeah. Uh, so as you approach her, realizing she looks like somewhat of interest, and you're just kind of going around, like like you said, what exactly what you just said? You hate all of these people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't want to talk to any of these no. people. You're looking for someone else to talk to. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is one of the last people in the room who seems to be interesting to you. Uh, she's a fairly small woman, actually. Uh, kind of how I described the guy who spoke earlier at the group, the Earl uh, Mercandes, that none of you had talked to before. She is, is almost kind of like a, the female version of her. She's very thin and pale and... Uh, Similar to Subsinia, Subsinia, she's just, like, very, very reserved. Uh, but not as socially awkward and literally trying to run away at all times as Subsinia. She just seems like she's a very soft-spoken and quiet lady. And uh, as you introduce yourself to her, uh, she nods and smiles and extends her hand to you and introduces herself as Lady Lucrezia Marthe, who is a cousin visiting from Casimir. And she is one of the only people here who is also not from Murat County. Do you want to just throw a dice at her? I'm, think, I'm trying to think of what I, um, I... I'm trying to get a... I'm just going to ask her if she, how are you enjoying the party? Start. What It's been... More than fine enough, of course. The the Count Lothied is, is very much a hospitable man. Uh, I'll 
my needs have been tended to. It's, it's excellent. Yeah, they seem to have everything on lock here. You know, you got your jousts, you got your food, your beverages, assassination attempts, all that rolled into one. And she just kind of shakes her head. That was... I, I'd heard traveling out to Marat here that this was a much quieter kind of place and that I could avoid, uh, avoid the bustle and tomfoolery of Casimir. It's, well, but it feels like home. I'll give it that. That's something that'd be more likely to happen in the streets of Lowtown, I'd imagine, than this palace out here. Is this normal? Is it just downplayed, or...? Uh, you know, from where I'm from, that's kind of normal, but I, I, I'm just like you, out-of-towner. This seems a little off to me as well. Assassination attempts at a party, it's, it's oh, a wild day. from Marat either. I, I didn't no. know there were any other visitors here. I am very sorry. I'm, again, I'm not up on I'm still trying to meet everyone here. There's so many names and so many faces. No, please. It's I'm I'm doing the exact same thing right now. You're you're safe with me. <laughs> well, Lidanto, what brings you to Marat County? And if you want to just uh, discover something about Lady Martha in here, this would be a good opportunity for you to sit down and just have a conversation. Yes. And uh, she, uh, kind of like Sepsinia, she's off at this uh, at this point, even at the beginning of the second round. She's one of the first to kind of trickle out of the main banquet hall. Uh, she seems really, she strikes as very similar to Sepsinia. Just better at it. She, mm -hmm. uh, excuses herself and goes and finds a nice chair in one of the entertaining spaces attached nearby somewhere else. Just a, not... 20 rooms away from the party but just out kind of adjacent in a quieter corner and mm -hmm. then when you find her she has like a small platter with bread and a drink and a book and uh it will be hers. i don't think hers is knowledge nobility it's sense motive and it is actually knowledge nobility for her still i guess she is still knowledge a nobility for everyone i guess she is still a noble if she's noble from casimir uh, sense motive as well? Yeah, sense motive is a discovery for literally everybody. Cool. That's a blanket skill. That'll always work. Seems to be my good one. Even though I can't roll it. And no. I still can't. No, you can't. That is accurate. You you definitely cannot roll it. So, uh, you... You talk to her some, but... It, it's exactly like you said going into this. You're not really sure how to come at this. She's not even from town. Neither are you. You've never been to Casimir. You just don't even know how to begin <laughs> to talk about anything. Two awkward people just staring you know at each other. What, <laughs> yeah, what Lady Marthane is interested in. So there's there's just not. So the wine's pretty good. Yeah, it's like, hey, you. Uh... She's like, how about yes, this I bread? Have it. She's like, hey, that's a, that's a nice book. She's like, yeah, have you read it? No. Uh, it I don't looks nice. Have a lot of time to read. It's got a. It's got a nice cover it's a uh, yeah it's just just kind of you trying but you're just not getting a foothold anywhere nice <laughs> Baylor. well dara walked away from the conversation here i guess it's time for me to take it over more you know step in here she, yeah she, uh, she 
So she she's weaker against knowledge geography, but I still feel like my diplomacy is better enough that I'd rather go with that. Alright. So uh, if you want to influence your how are you going to try to diplomate? Because uh, it's a good thing I realized that strengths and weaknesses are kind of pointless if we don't at least kind of like cover what you're trying to say. If you literally just like, I roll diplomacy, like there's the strengths don't matter because there's no way you can hit them. So what yeah. are you, uh, what are you trying to do with that? See, that's a weird one for diplomacy. Yeah, because diplomacy is just kind of like general conversations. So it's really open, actually. You can... Yeah. You can just, I mean, that can be just that. What you talk about can just be functionally small talk, but small talk effectively. <laughs> it doesn't have to have substance. What you're talking about can be nothing. I, nothing yeah, I, I guess that's more what I'm going for. Just like Dara was talking to her and then he walked away and I'm like, well, I don't want to leave her alone. So just small talk How about the weather today. Up. Give me some of that diplomacy. Uh, with an 18, you, you try to talk to her for a bit, and uh, she just doesn't really seem interested at all in small yeah. talk. And yeah, like, try as you might. You give it a couple attempts until she finally, like, seemingly almost fed up, excuses herself uh, directly and entirely from the conversation and then turns to talk to the per uh, person standing right next to her. Uh, she doesn't go anywhere. She just excuses herself as in politely stop talking to me. Uh, and you get the feeling that not only did that not go great... You, and this is how influence skills work, so we're going to come... I don't think this has actually happened yet, that it's been flubbed enough for that. Uh, you actually can no longer use diplomacy to influence Baroness Boynton. It's no longer an influence skill. For all of us, or for just him? For him. Okay. If you, uh, with the influence system, you can basically... You can brick. It's possible to completely brick mm -hmm. if you just screw up everything. Then, I mean, obviously that person doesn't want to talk to you anymore and you're bricked. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you mess up bad enough, you get far enough below whatever the set DC is for that role, you lose the ability to continue using that skill. If you do bad enough, uh, including trying, like, rolling poorly on a stick, just trying to throw a skill that's not an influence check for them at all, you can lose the ability to influence them entirely. So, which is why it's not a great idea to just YOLO out influence dice, because that can go really badly really fast. But, Baylor can no longer use diplomacy to influence Moynum. Uh, that lasts for the Jubilee. So, you can, of course, at a later occasion, try again. But for the rest of this social event here, you can make small talk with Moynum to try to make it like you more. That's gone. Oh, well. Uh, that leaves us with Nell. I'm going to walk over to Purple Finch. And I am going to ask Purple Finch if she would kindly distract Dame Crab for just a moment. I need to talk to Sepsinia. Okay, at this point, you already have. Uh, Kahina's already over there. 
with Parthena and Sepsenia, and I'm pretty sure somebody else went over there. Dara. Who else went over there? Dara. Kahina and Dara are both already over there right now. But uh, as, as long as I can get around Parthena without her pulling me into conversation. Well, the problem is, you can see Kahina is already trying to talk to Sepsenia. I just want to ask Sepsenia uh, a question. Okay. I mean, well, she's not going to, like, literally ignore you. You can just ask her a question. Yeah. And you can politely excuse yourself from Dame Crab unless she, like, really narrows in. <laughs> well, basically, I just want to bother Sepsinia for a moment and ask if she would be interested in discussing uh, literally what we already talked about, just more art and techniques and stuff at a later occasion. Not uh, here surrounded her by... Out on the she, she likes not here you. surrounded by a bunch of people where she's not comfortable. She... Uh, she looks at you, and she looks kind of flustered immediately. It's not even flustered so much as she just so doesn't want to, but doesn't know how to politely put that into words. And she turns, uh, she turns to you and says, "I um, well, I, I, I very much thank you for the invitation. Um, perhaps later we could. I don't know what our what our plans are here at this point. Damn crab." would literally lean out around <laughs> Kahina with a humongous grin on her face. And she's like, oh, this sounds fantastic! Yes, I've already asked your, your friend Lady Abendago here to come by for tea a week's time from the end of this jubilee. If you, you could come with as well next weekend, that would be a fantastic opportunity. And so on a side note. She actually already did ask me, and I accepted the invitation to take. Oh yeah, I think she, she. I think she asked all of you guys what she did. She asked all of you, didn't she? Uh, she asked me directly. I, know <laughs> I that. think okay. she asked Nell directly. Oh, she, she already did ask you directly. Uh, yeah. She, she, she asked. That's a fantastic idea for when you come by uh, mm -hmm. next weekend for the tea. And <laughs> she. Uh... <laughs> Sepsidia kind of just like really slowly turns around and looks at her mom. And it just turns back around, looks at Nell. Just kind of nods, and she says, of course, yes. Um, thank you. You're welcome. And I will excuse myself, and I will go talk to Lord Titus. Oh. Oh. Baby. I can't wait. So you make your way over to the Lothian table, or Lothian end of the table, oh. rather. Uh, where Titus is sitting, uh, just conversing with his two hype men, who are still uh, seated nearby, and he turns and sees you and raises an eyebrow and says, "Oh, Sir Stalwart, it was." Yes, that's correct. Oh, uh, we were I... just as... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sure. I was just. I was a bit sad about our jousting matchup, you and I. No contact made. No. No fun in the sport. Uh, would you be interested in a friendly duel later? Not not ne not now, of course. Uh, just whenever is convenient. It kind of breathes in, and there's two guys with him just kind of raise their eyebrows and look at each other and smile. And Titus kind of like grimaces and smiles. He's, and he turns around a bit, like halfway back towards Count Bartleby. <laughs> and you can see Count Bartleby with an eyebrow raised just like staring at the two of you. He says, you know... I don't really... I, I would. I would. But here's a better idea. 
we had our go with the joust, but tomorrow we've the great pheasant hunt. And it seems like the perfect time to have a rematch, a better friendly competition, and see who can bag their quarry and bring it back to the palace first. I like your your spirit in the, the challenge of things. I do. I will gladly go on the hunt and we will see how things turn out. But I would love to have a duel sometime. First to disarm and I believe it's three hits, correct? I'd love to. We'll find some time. I have no fear. Fantastic. I look forward to it. And he turns around to uh, Count Lothian. Count Lothian still just kind of shifts his gaze to Titus. And Titus says, uh, just puts his hands up. It's a direct challenge. Bartleby, I can't much say no. Bartleby just shakes his head. You can't <laughs> very much say no. This hardly seems the time or the place to be arranging such things. Sir, Stalwart, it was. I yes. believe it's a bit early in the evening for you to be imposing yourself with this rather strange flexing you're doing. We were... Well, not we. I was being a bit childish earlier. I, I simply wanted to settle things in a, a more appropriate manner. Not through petty jokes and stuff. Just a friendly duel. Have some fun. I just, I didn't feel satisfied with the outcome of our joust. Hmm. I, I don't mean surprising. to upset or anything. I, I simply just still in the, the mix of things, so to speak. Look, I understand, uh, to the best I understand, you've been brought along as a sort of uh, mercenary type. Uh, from a noble line, of course. I'm familiar with the stalwart heraldry. But... Don't you feel like this is a little... Childish was a good word. I'll agree with your choice. Well, yes. But that's why I simply just want to settle it one way or another. I don't mean, like I said, too upset. Mm. And he uh, takes a sip of his drink and then turns back to whoever he's seated next to there. So do you want to... Are you trying to dice Titus? Is that what we're going for? Or do you just want to challenge him to duel before you head off to greener pastures uh, elsewhere? I don't really care to influence him. I simply just wanted to put this on the table before I go roll dice at Voinum. Oh, fair enough. We're going to join Team Voinum, too. All right. And here, I was worried that I made the count really mad. I think oh, see, I don't me. care if I make the count. <laughs> I think the goal, actually, Inori, is to make the count hit all of you as much as possible in one day. What did me and Nora do? <laughs> I think it's going pretty well so far. <laughs> I mean, we're getting there. Yeah. We're on our way. I mean, I, they, I mean we're going to end up apo apologizing for the people we brought with us. Hey, your job is to go to Marat County and get in with the nobles Ooh, yep. and make them like you as much as possible. What? Did you say offend the count immediately? Yes. Let's go. Like, all right. So, uh, so I'm going to go so what do you over do, to uh, Voinum. Voinum. And I'm going to roll intimidation dice because obviously I myself have no clue what things would be said appropriately for this. Okay. So, uh, 
well, I guess if uh, the, only, the only thing I can really think of with you newly arrived as the the barony heirs and the tribunes of Stockies is basically threatening, uh, not so much directly. Uh, I mean, obviously, not going to walk up and directly threaten the baroness in the middle no. of the Kerala, but uh, kind of imply less than subtly that whatever condition Stockies is in right now, you are committed to raising this up. And you know the Voinum Barony controls some of the lands nearby, but times can change. And things will yeah, be some different. Nobles in town. Things yeah. will be different with you here compared to the previous honorary tribunes. Oh boy. Roll me the intimidation. Oh, oh god, you're gonna get us thrown out of the party. Oh, I so thought it was gonna be a hard Almost. one. Oh, I was I so actually ready. have great intimidate, so I was yeah, fairly you actually confident have about that. Fantastic intimidate. Got your plus so, two on there? Yeah, got a plus two on there. It, it's not actually on there, but So that's a twenty-eight, actually. Yes. So, Voidum, surprisingly, smiles about this. She doesn't really seem necessarily threatened or offended, per se. She seems amused by the threat, the, by this kind of veiled jab coming from you. And uh, her response basically boils down to, it's interesting. You're so young and untested, and it will be curious to see how things develop indeed. And I'm just going to end that conversation by, after gauging her result, or her reaction, and seeing how she took it. I like you. You handle things very well. Even when thrown with a, an oddity such as me. And so like she, she kind of laughs a bit and says, well, it's far from common to have the new blood in town step up to me directly. Don't quite know why, but I seem to intimidate most of those around here. Below the Count himself, of course. But you, you're not afraid. I like that. At the very least, I can respect that. Well, thank you. So with that, the feast begins to kind of wind down and come to a close. And the meats and the last of the dishes are carted away by the servants, as most people at this point have filtered out of the dining hall. And everybody who hasn't yet is go as uh, ushered out by some or politely ushered out by some of the servants so they can make room to remove the large tables out from the hall and take them back to storage wherever they had been previously. The ball, uh, the ballroom is cleared and back emptied. And as soon as it's cleared, servants come back in with some interesting props. They appear to be small, bright cones with flags sticking up out of them, about three feet high from the ground. And they lay these down in pairs, like slalom gates, in a circuit around the banquet hall, about 15, 20 feet from the edges of the room. Afterwards, a group of halflings, dressed in strange caricatures of ancient Talden heroes, come in 
riding very gaudily painted miniature chariots pulled by dogs. <sighs> I have something for this. Oh, oh boy. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Six copies of, uh, of this, but each dressed in a different fashion from the past centuries, and the chariot painted to match come out into this kind of impromptu race course. And Baron Akira steps forward to announce, Ladies and gentlemen of Talden society, those of you present here, it is time for the great halfling dog chariot races. And with that, there is much uh, cheering and applause throughout the party halls. Everyone moves back in towards the outside of the ballroom where he had been previously, where you were being assigned seats. Marat traditions seem... Interesting. Weird. <laughs> this only seems to be getting more somewhat questionable mm -hmm. as time passes. But We're gonna have to free some halflings before we leave, <laughs> I think. But this is a good opportunity for us here, I believe, to take a quick break before we head any further. So let's let's just do that. So you all uh, arrange yourselves along the western end of the room. And let me go ahead and pull this map over here. So you guys are over yonder. Uh, you good, Chemi? Good to go. Okay, cool. Uh, everyone arranged themselves in this ballroom here where all of these various halflings are ready. And for ease, I have given them each a very brightly colored <laughs> dot and a number with which you can differentiate them fairly easily. And as all of the partygoers make their way in here, these various halflings are running their chariots into each other, jumping out and having mock fist fights and just committing general assorted buffoonery to the uproarious laughter of all of the nobles present. Everyone finds this incredibly hilarious. You're all a little... Well, I don't know. How do you guys feel about this? I'm not going to talk for you. How do we feel about this? Hesitant. I don't Hesitant's like it. A good word. But I'm going to laugh because it looks it's stupid. still entertainment. No. It's a waste of time. So, but, like, the, the laugh is, is not genuine. Just it's entertainment. They're giving it to us. I'm going to laugh. Yeah, it's like, ha ha ha. This is exactly. Uh, yeah. We're going to performance fake it. Yep. Performance pretend to be having a good time. Mm -hmm. uh, I really wish there was a laughing version of that guy who was really excited about throwing his stuff <laughs> in the tower. That would be great. That's okay, we can do with that. I've put some more assorted laughing in this. So, that's really creepy laughing. That's okay, we'll keep that. So, as you all arrange yourselves, and everyone's just kind of uh, laughing and seriously having a good time, Baron Akira explains the situation here to a very, very much amused crowd. And it seems to be incredibly straightforward as he puts it the rules for the chariot race are very simple 
each of these halflings are going to race around the ballroom three times. And to spice these up, the servants will be providing each of you with these small satchets. And uh, you see some servants coming around with platters covered in a whole bunch of little brightly colored bags uh, tied off very loosely at the top. Uh, try not to spell that. Definitely try not to get any of it in your own eyes. That's blinding powder. You're more than encouraged to bet on your own participants and do your best to make damn sure they win this race. And as they get handed out, everybody gets three little silk bags of blinding powder. And everyone is very, very excited about this for you to physically throw at the halflings as they are riding around. It's pretty straightforward. Right? <laughs> so, let me get this straight. We bet on the one we want to win, and we throw blinding powder in the other one's eyes. Uh-huh. Yep. That's exactly how this goes. So, you've got colors, and you've got numbers. Uh, freeze of access, but I'm going to need to change the numbers here so I can use them to keep track of their place in the race here as the various laps go around. It's going to be three laps, and you have three bags of powder. So if you take some time to line up for a good shot as they're coming by you, you can throw one bag of powder per lap if you want to throw blinding powder in a halfling servant's eyes uh, to try to make him lose this race a little, a little more. Uh, everyone else seems to be very, very excited and super on board with what's going on here as everyone gets ready and everyone's cheering and uh, the halflings bump into each other and jostle and continue just their general nonsense as they line up at the starting line here so who are you betting on i will put one platinum on purple that's a pretty big bet so one platinum i like for their spunk one platinum I, it's it's not like I mean, you can literally bet but it's more of like a for fun thing but uh you're like I mean, oh, if, if we're start, not I'm actually betting then purple. that's different <laughs> i mean you definitely can that let's actually you want to be like that. hey let's spice this up i mean but he said just, we're welcome to make bets so i'm making a yeah bet. it's, it's it's more of a like just a you want your guy to win but it's not really a I mean, I'm not expecting. Bet, but if to you, get like, if you want to step forward and do that, you absolutely can. I will do that. He's used to. I want to put some money on this. I want to put a platinum down. And everyone kind of like laughs and uh, applauds a bit as you do that. And Titus, smiling as he always is, steps forward and says, "Huh, <laughs> interesting. Okay, but it's hard. It'll be a difficult betting pool unless we have enough people." On board here. I mean, I can put in less if you guys feel that's a bit much. <laughs> I just kind of jumped at it. And he just kind of laughs and looks back at the two people he's pretty much always got flanking him. And they kind of laugh with him, uh, looking at you. He says, I think that's uh, far <laughs> from the issue here, you understand. It's just a round of fun. We want to keep this going faster, not bog this down. Don't take time. Organization. Let's just go. <laughs> but yours is purple, you say? Yes. 
and everyone steps up to uh, claim their own chariots. But as I'm sure you don't probably care about most people's, I'll say Titus bets on blue. Oh boy. Do you guys all want to pile it on purple? <laughs> or who else wants to pick a winning chariot here? Sure, we'll, we'll put it on purple and throw stuff at Titus's. Team purple team. People's. Rest of you? Go team purple. I don't know, this is so weird. I think I'm just gonna watch. <laughs> This time. I think I might stay with Anori, and we're not betting people, you, <laughs> you know. You guys are like, no, like... that's, that's alright, I just like the show here. Yeah. And, uh, Baylor's like, alright, I got the pink one. <laughs> <laughs> so, as this begins, and as Okara gives it the countdown, three, two, one, and they start off, and the chariots start taking off, well, Vaguely in the direction of around the room. The dogs seem like they're well enough trained. It's more like the halflings are intentionally just kind of dingusing around and more interested in slamming into each other and making this a show for the nobles as they are actually running. But as they start taking off, immediately as they come around the, the first time, the sa sacks of blinding powder come flying out of the crowd in a wave, splashing all over the halflings. And uh, you can see just from the rest of them being thrown, that uh, almost everyone's participating in this. Uh, do you guys want to throw some sacks? Yes. I'll throw mine. Sure. So, I'm, I'm not throwing any. two options. No, yeah, no, no, thank you. You can just throw it at the halfling, like just throw it at the chariot vaguely, or you can try to throw it at the halfling's face to blind them more effectively. Well, I mean, I'm going play to purposely shooter, miss. Okay, so you're just going to throw it and yeah. just whiff it on purpose. Like, well, towards though. chariots. I'm, I'm not, participating not for the appearance of participating. So yeah, you don't, you I'm don't not throwing anything in anybody's gotta, face. Like, eh, and just, like, throw it between some chariots. Uh, what about you, Kina? Um, yeah, she'll throw one probably in the direction of, like, the blue one. She's not going to, like, try to hit him in the face, but if she does, you know... Like, maybe aim for a chest or okay, a... Okay, so make a ranged attack. So on your character sheet, just click on the block that says ranged, and it should make a ranged attack for you. Okay. <laughs> now, most of the rest of the nobles are also not great at this. You've got people like Parth and a Crab and uh, Lady Lucrezia and this old guy with the cane tossing these. So for the most part, they're not really doing a fantastic job of throwing them. So the vast majority of them are just kind of whiffing and uh, just hitting the ground around and just shattering the blinding dust across the floor to everyone's uproarious laughter. Uh, but Kahina, you absolutely... Uh, do you have any way to... Do you have, any, do you have uh, throw anything or anything for improvised weapons or are you just throw it the best you can? I'm just throwing the best I can. I don't have, I mean, I've got wrist launchers, but that's yeah, my so only range. Yeah, so you throw one. it, and it's, it is actually kind of hard to throw a bag that is just very loosely tied off effectively with enough accuracy <laughs> to hit them and do anything, and enough force to burst the bag open and shatter them with blinding powder. So the first one you throw sort of loosely, and uh, you just have your set kind of bounce off the blue chariot and not really do anything. Let me see. You roll Titus's boys here. 
Titus hits the purple rider in the face uh, with the bang immediately at their first loop around. And uh, the little halfling screams, to which everyone cheers as that bang explodes and just covers his face and he throws his hands up to cover his eyes like uh, in agony from this powder just washing through it. And everyone laughs so much harder. And let me see where we're at race-wise at the end of this. So, you get to throw the, mine? I'll do that while I'm getting these stats. Because <laughs> I gotta roll a bunch of dice to figure out where, where the uh, various happenings are. Actually, roll 20 might have froze. Oh no, there it goes. It was just really, really slow. Okay, three, four. This dude's laugh's so creepy. It yeah, it's. Okay, I'm actually gonna have to. I'm about to track this a separate way. I'm about to track this via the bubbles up top. Because these are these numbers are gonna get much higher than the nine I can put on these. That's okay. You get it is, does have a really creepy laugh. <laughs> creepy seditious double uh -huh. laughs in here. You get a nine. Gravel. Eight. You get a seven. And then we get another eight. And Baylor, you throw yours uh, are you going for the eyes or are you just going for hitting them? Just going for the blue guy. Okay, and you throw your sack as well, and you strike the blue chariot, and it kind of just bursts all over him. It washes up over the halfling, and uh, he just kind of throws his hand up in front of his face and keeps going, taking it like a champ because he didn't get beaned directly in the eye with a bag of blinding powder. But he definitely slows down a bit as he gets hit. And so he takes a minus one. Other party goers hit the red one just hit his chariot and they hit the orange one just hitting their two chariots and Titus <laughs> hits your chariot oh, there's actually a lot of rolling dice to do for this and uh, yours swerves wildly uh, almost veering off out of the ballroom as the blinding powder just ruptures all over his eyes but still he manages to pull out in front of the red one and he's doing pretty alright well, he's not really. He's not doing fantastic. I'm going to use this on uh, the room from left to right to represent the lead right now. So up front, neck and neck, are blue and green. Uh, blue, even after taking the one hit from the bag. Dead last is red, whose dog really just doesn't seem to be super interested in participating in the general events here. They lap around a second time. Who wants to throw bags? I'm going to do the same thing I did Me. last time. So, uh, no, once again, just kind of makes a show of throwing airs and just throws it mostly at the ground and just shatters it. <laughs> Dara and Nori are still just sort of standing there. You guys make me perception checks. <laughs> All of us? Yes. Fantastic. Those are great perception. These are great perception checks. We're supposed and, and to be two perception. What is this? Dara got a 22 <laughs> perception. I mean, that is... I guess... Everybody here has a two to some extent, except for Inori. Yeah, we heard you the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a different joke. Still counts. 
So all of you except Anori, because Anori at this point I would just, I would say not even like, paying attention. Really, not even pay attention at all. He's like totally checked out of this thing here. The rest of you would notice as you as you're looking around, because as much as you're participating, Baylor's having a good time. It seems he's going for it. <laughs> but uh, as you look around the room, you notice Sir Gusan in the back, kind of watching over this with a pretty disgusted look on his face. He's not even really trying to hide it. He is the only person in the room, other than also now Dara Nori, who does not find this in any way funny. He actually looks like he's almost offended by the fact that this is happening, but he's not going to do anything to stop it. He's just going to stay where he is and do his job. He shares my sentiments. So, Kahina and Billy, you want to throw some bags? Yeah, we're not... Aiming for the face again, obviously. Right, just aiming for the chariot. Just aiming. Well, I'll aim with the face. Oh, good oh Baylor's going for face. Oh, baby, <laughs> Baylor gets face. Baylor's like, I, I rarely get opportunities to mess people's days up. Like, oh yeah, this is fantastic. I, I never get to do this stuff. Now he throws it. He smacks him right in the face. And Kena, you uh, try to just get just like an acid splash. Yeah, you try to get a better grip on yours and throw it a little bit harder so it'll burst, but it almost like falls apart in your hand. There's this is pretty actually kind of difficult to do to manage this properly. So Bella, roll me a d6 so we can see how much you have negatively influenced this chariot. Oh, of oh, course baby. he rolls a six. Oh, <laughs> of wow. course he does. As you as you roll a, a six here. You hit the blue chariot, and uh, the rider just closes his eyes. No idea uh, what's actually going on. It just, like, smashes his whole face together pretty clearly in a lot of pain. And uh, without any guidance for a moment, his dog just keeps running forward, almost into the wall, before the dog isn't going to run to the wall. And he just kind of steps to the side, and the blue chariot smashes into the northern wall of the ballroom. And uh, everyone cries out and cheers. <laughs> As the halfling almost gets thrown out of this and just takes a second to desperately try to wipe his eyes and then get his dog back in the race. Titus, not to be outdone, is going to try real hard to screw up your dude too. And uh, he whiffs it, actually. And the mayhem that's being caused here, he doesn't manage to hit yours. Meanwhile, <laughs> the orange one... For some reason, it's just kidding. Someone really doesn't like the orange one because just other people from the crowd are just pelting the hell out of the orange one. At this point, Red's whoever dog, bet on green, yeah, yeah, Red's dog appears to have completely and totally given up, and uh, is just kind of sitting there, sniffing the ground, existing. And here's where we are now. Green almost entirely unmolested, is pulling out a really commanding lead. Uh, at this point, nearly half a lap and nearing the, the finish line here as he pulls away from the pack and you and Pink are straight neck and neck. Hey, Blue's I am Pink. I'm good with this. Yeah, Blue's falling. Uh, oh yeah, you guys, both the two you the party has bet on are like neck and neck for a second and third here. Almost dead even. And as it come around for the final lap, who wants to throw some bags? I'm gonna try and hit the ceiling with mine. That's funny. I'm joking. That's probably I'm not hard. I mean, I'm sure you can do it. Yeah, I'm just gonna whiff it. 
Hey, you just went there. You just throw it out there, make the show of participating, but you, uh, like you had the previous two times, just make no attempt to actually hit the halflings with this bag Yeah, like throwing it at the chariot wheels. Exactly. Like You're throwing it like yeah. down the ground, basically. Uh, what about you, Baylor and Kahina? Throwing it chariot, like not in the face. Uh, and you, you hit it this time. You throw the bag. And you hit the chariot, but you, you just hit, like, down near the front of the chariot, and the powder kind of splashes across it, and almost none of it actually goes up in the, the Blue Rider's eyes. Baylor. I mean, I gotta aim at green, right? Well, you wanna <laughs> win. You gotta aim at green. You go for the face, or you go for the, uh, go for the body? Oh, man. Uh, keep going for the face. Go for well. the face. Oh! And, uh, you peg this one, and it sails over green's shoulders. Uh, it, uh, exploding almost near the back wall uh, by where Baron Akara and Count Lothian are standing, <laughs> which gets a really good laugh out of the party, and Akara, like, claps a bit. I has no idea who threw it and all the mayhem that's going on here and this glittering powder that is now just showering all over the ballroom here. Let's see where the racers are at as they come around for the finish line. Ooh, there's some high dice there. A low roll for green as he starts to fall behind. Alright, red goes up to a total of 11. He's, his dog started moving, but at this point he's an entire lap behind, so he's got, like, no real hope here. Blue goes up to 17. Green goes up to 22. <laughs> Orange goes up to 12. Oh, Red's boy. got a friend in the dumpster. As uh, Orange kind of like peters out as the dog gets kind of just blinded by the spray of powder that's coming up off the ground at this point. Purple goes to 15. And pink goes to 14. Which means we have this here. And uh, with one last throw, <laughs> Titus whips a bag uh, right over the shoulder of the purple rider as well. And ending up with this as our final placing. Green wins it. Blue rallying to pull up second place. Green wins it by like a freaking mile. He's like half a lap ahead of the rest as he uh, reins his dog to a stop and jumps off the cart and puts his hands in the air completely. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. I have the random bags. Oh, they kind of affect the outcome at this point. But just for curiosity, does, does Green get to go the entire race? Not going to get my bags. He actually does. Uh, completely unaffected by bags. As someone just kind of throws a bag at the Red Rider. Stop. You don't get to win. <laughs> and Red gets pegged and Blue gets pegged a bit near the end. But that doesn't bring him back enough uh, for Purple to come back and win it. Green is the winner. Trellerick had a Baron Akara walks forward clapping. And, like, uh, just grabs the halfling's uh, little wrist as he's raising his fist like a, a winning fighter. Uh, and, and puts it up in the air. And the green is super excited and jumping around about this. And, uh... Purple... Uh, just steps back uh, almost immediately out of the chair before it even comes to a stop. And, like, kneels down on the ground, shaking his head, trying to get this dust out of his eyes. As Blue has, like, got his eyes just squ squinched together. Yeah, Smashed violence together as hard as he can as he staggers off the chariot and just makes a big show of looking around like he doesn't know where he is. Everyone's still just losing their minds laughing. Having the best time.
as this wraps up, other than Gusarn, who just truly does not appreciate whatever this is. And as the race wraps up and nobody's winner wins, I mean, some random nobles, of course, had their pick victorious. But a small army of other servants come out with, uh, with brooms, and the Count ushers everybody out of the room here as he tries to get everyone out of this horde of blinding powder and into literally anywhere else where they clean up and prepare for the evening's final events. So since I didn't use my binding power, can I like quietly pocket it? Uh, yeah, you can just you can just take it. I mean, you you still have it. It's, it's like in a loose bag, so it's gonna spill everywhere. You can't really. I'll put it in a pocket that nothing else is in, and then I can clean out the pocket later. <laughs> <laughs> you want to fill your pocket with blinding sand? Just oh, loose blinding. I feel sand. like it might come. Pocket in. sand. You actually, not ironically, want pocket sand. Hey, that's what she wants. That's what she's doing. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I feel like can I could some... use it. Put it in a better bag later, and then he's just pouring the sand into his pockets <laughs> <laughs> with the bag, like Napoleon Dynamite. Literal pocket sand. Yeah, you have actual pocket sand. Fair enough, I suppose. You've uh, you've got pocket sand. Uh, uh, there's, I mean, standing right next to a noise. She's just going to completely just just open mouth stare at you as you do this. Just... <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? No words. Just... I just need it for later, guys. It's okay. But what if I need this for later? What if I need this? <laughs> what if we get further down the road and I wish I had a pocket full of blinding powder just loose in my pants, I guess? <laughs> the what if the black swan or something shows up? Hey, you never know when you're going to need to throw some pocket sand at a beholder. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you guys understand. Those aren't a Pathfinder monster, so... True. Probably not a problem that you're going to run into. But, uh... I didn't the, know that. Everything gets cleaned up. And at this point, this is a great event to take everybody's minds off of the earlier mishap with the Night Swan and the crossbow. There's nothing but pretty much good spirits abound at this point. Everyone is put... Uh, the mood of the party is brought completely back into the light by this halfling chariot races. Of course, still strikes you as a little odd. But hey, if it makes people happy, it makes people happy, right? Gonna go with the communism approach. It makes six people <laughs> unhappy, two of which are in agonizing pain, but everybody else is happy. So, not positive, right? Is that how it works? Sure, sure, I, I don't, sure. I don't Maybe? think that it's a mathematical function. <laughs> Why not? Happiness could be a mathematical Elaborate. <laughs> Gotta show your math. Show your work. Show your workings. Show, show your, your workings. Math. I mean, Bellow has got 21 in. He could show you the math. <laughs> your hands so, are covered in this stuff. The last that was that event... face. Did you see me hit it? <laughs> <laughs> the last event of the evening as the blinding powder is cleaned up, the racetrack taken down, and the floors cleaned from any marks from the chariots or uh, damage from them slamming into each other or walls is picked up and repaired. As the ballroom is prepared to be, well, a ballroom. The thing it's supposed to do as the evening is going to wind down with some dancing. And this is even more than the feast, a perfect 
opportunity for you to get in and try to talk to really anybody you need to, uh, you need to. Out in the ballroom itself, there is dancing. And out in the outlying entertaining spaces around, all sticking to kind of the east end of the palace at this point, there is a bunch of card games going on. So you can really participate either. If you don't want to dance in the ballroom, you can go play card games. If you want to dance in the ballroom, well, nearly everybody is in the ballroom. Except I'm going to go let you go ahead and just take a guess as to which of the various nobles is not going to be in there. Should be fairly straightforward and not challenging. Hint, it's Pysum and uh, Titus. <laughs> We're going to be out doing things. Uh, even the Baron O'Kara and the Count himself seem to be interested in participating. And Sepsinia is in the room. <laughs> Being a wallflower. Go get her now! As a, about as in the corner as she can possibly be. So you've got a fantastic opportunity to do... Well, nearly anything you want here. You can talk to anyone. Everyone's available. <clears throat> Sir Ghoul, Sepsinia, the Count, everyone's here making sure that everyone is having a grand old time. You can take your randomly colored dots off. So let's get us another little initiative table here just to keep a turn order going for these social rounds. Spicy. You were ready. You were ready for action. So, uh, this isn't super relevant now, but for just understanding of how it works, Bryn Bob, mm -hmm. if two people tie for initiative, whoever has the highest initiative modifier wins, and since Inori... That's actually you. You have the higher initiative modifier. Since you have plus eight and Inori has plus two, uh, you basically get like 10.5. Plus eight? Wow. Dex, Dex character and improved initiative, Dex I guess. Dex character with improved initiative. That's about as initiative as you can get a level That's four. That's filthy. Yeah, she's got some uh, some spicy initiative. So, no. As the evening begins to wind down, who do you want to spend your time trying to learn more about or enamor to you? Is is it Gusarn? Gusarn, uh, Gusarn. I yeah. think it's... It probably is actually Gusarn. I've been saying Gusarn, but I think it's Gusarn. <laughs> I, I'm just going to call him Ghoul. Sir Ghoul. Let's go with Sir Ghoul. That works yeah. for me. Uh, is he up to talking at the moment? He actually is. After the uh, races and with the dancing here and everyone mostly confined to uh, just this room and the room down below and plenty of soldiers posted up both here and outside, he is more than down to for a conversation at this point. Okay. I'll go spend my time with him. So you want to head over and talk to Sir Gold? Do you want to, like, talk to Sir Gold, or do you want to roll a check for Sir Gold? Uh, depends. Is there anybody nearby who can hear what we're saying? Well, you're in a ballroom and a bunch of people dancing, so they're just kind of generally around. But it's not, like, super over the top or anything. Uh, I mean, no one's, like, right next to you. It's not packed. Enough that I could walk up to him and and start a conversation and say that that chariot event was atrocious. I did not expect to see that. Hmm. Not yet you participated. Yes, I simply... Endearing yourself to not traditions, I understand. Yeah. It's something that's been long-standing. Halflings participate willingly, of course. They're servants. They're paid. That's uh, still, I'm, I've seen halfling racism from 
many different walks of life, and I, I don't enjoy seeing whether it perceived paid or otherwise just uncomfortable. Well, it's you seem to share the sentiment. It's hardly a matter of racism so much as it is logistics, I and mean, we're far from going to fit six full-size chariots in the Count's ballroom. I understand why the event is, how it is. And as the newcomers from out of town here, I imagine you'd do well not to reject our customs and traditions. Of course. That's why I participated. I'm not about to reject something just because I don't understand it. So do you want to roll some dice? Roll some dice. Do you want to discover um, or do you want to do inputs? I don't know if you have inputs. Since we, have... we have knowledge, nobility, and knowledge local, I guess, for discovery. Yep. Well, knowledge, nobility, and uh, sense of motive for discoveries. Let me check those. Might actually be his. Because uh, it's down on the skills page. The, the skills part of this. Yeah, we. Oh, no, those, are, those are influence skills. Yeah, those are influence skills. All right. I'm going to throw some knowledge local to impress him with my skill of things around here that I don't actually know are things, but they're things, and I know them. Okay. Do you drink and you know things? Well, well, he drinks. 21. He's... Yeah, I drink. It makes me know things. He definitely drinks. I don't believe he knows things, and it's quite apparent in this conversation he doesn't know things, and while... Sergius Saren doesn't really care any less about talking to you than he did previously. He certainly doesn't really seem interested in your show of things you don't know about Marat County. Starting off with how much you don't like their wholesome family <laughs> traditions. <laughs> and you can no longer use knowledge local to influence Kusang. He has really high DCs. Yeah, he's not a very friendly person. Baylor. Understandable. I guess I'm going to Lothied. Bartleby. <laughs> Greetings, Bartleby. Talk to him, or do you want to try to do some things? Well, I just wanted to mention I saw him at least casting a spell at Denori uh, earlier. Denori, yeah. Hope I didn't miss any interesting conversation of magic. Such a nerd. Oh, no, nerd. it was, uh... You're not here, shut up. Oh, no, it was, uh... Simply a point of interest. I'd, I'd gotten the feeling that she was a magically inclined sort, just from interactions with her and the look of your group. But, I mean, you clearly are a man of knowledge. You, I mean, you bear a spell book. I imagine you still have that on your hair. You, I don't oh, know, yeah. You, yeah. You, you bear a spell book. You clearly seem to be the, studi the studious sort. Uh, but Nori, uh, Lady Dentho, sorry, Lady Dentho, he wouldn't say Nori, was more of a question mark and oddity. It's uncommon to run into those who train themselves both in sword and blade. As I imagine, you probably have not. I, my physical capabilities have never been the best, No. No, but that's more than fair. There's much more can be accomplished with a spell than with a sword. That much is certain. So do you want to, uh, roll some dice? 
talk about some magic be a nerd <laughs> i mean we don't know influence skills on him i could try knowledge arcana you can you talk can about magic for it yeah you can do it that's Hang actually on. a really good idea let's talk about magic so we go so let me so let me ask this my trait that lets me roll twice and take the better result once a day, could I use that on an influence? Absolutely, it's any d20 roll, pretty sure. It doesn't say attack roll, it's a d20 roll, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it's just, like, it doesn't have a time duration on it, so yeah. it's just... So you, uh, you use your chronomancy on, but is it a spell-like? It is... It's under here somewhere. Look real quick. Because if it's spell-like, you have to, like, cast a spell in his face, which would probably <laughs> not go over. But if it's supernatural, you can absolutely use it here. And the difference, uh, rules-wise, while he's looking it up, is spell-like abilities tied to your character are similar to casting a spell. It's, a uh, Harry Potter magic here in Pathfinder. You do the fancy hand motion, and you say woobly-doobly, and you cast a spell. And if he has to do that to use this ability, probably not going to do it a little awkward. Supernatural abilities, however, just kind of happen. So, it it doesn't say either way. It just says once per day as a swift action. What's it? It's under what's that? It's Chronomancer, right? No, it's uh, we flavored it to be part of that, but it's just Guiding Spirit, the trait. Yeah, guiding Spirit, right? It's just like the Time Stone. You just go, and turn it back a little bit, and try again. Yeah, it definitely doesn't. You say. Open the eye. It doesn't yes. say if it's supernatural or spell like. Um, drama. I'm. I've come to party. I'll, I'll give it to you, Supernatural. You can use it here. All right. So, so roll twice use on. Your, use your chronomancy, without having to actually cast with your just understanding of time. Your studies have given you the ability to just kind of see. A little bit into the future, allowing you to divine which of two approaches would be best. And it will be the one where you get a 24, not the one where you get a 21. Uh, a different line of talk. Uh, he seems to enjoy both conversations, really. But one line of study, uh, talking about your chronomancy itself, seems to interest him more than talking about just general magic. But what interests you is that either way... He's definitely into it. He is definitely down for some uh, discussion of magic and scholarly pursuits. Uh, so much so that not only do you get an influence success, you also get a free discovery check as well for either of those results. All right. Martella did tell you that the Lothians were a very magically inclined family, and she did not appear to be wrong. So what do you want to learn? An influence skill, weakness, or strength? Give me an influence it. skill, and I'll just hope it's not Knowledge Arcana it's be if I really don't. Funny if we find out Knowledge Arcana, because that would be funny. I would say at this point, you know that it works because I beat the DC enough to tell yeah, it's working. So C, yeah, you beat the DC by enough to know that he enjoys the conversation that you are making progress. Um, and three. He... Knowledge Arcana. No. Uh, he's a knowledge arcana is the one, and I'm just considering you to know that. 
you get the feeling that as much as he actually does for the first time enjoy this conversation, this is the first time he's really given you any real portion of his full attention. He doesn't really have a lot of care or interest for those he thinks are not useful to him or not interesting to him. You think you can use this. It's going to be easier to make an impression upon him with falsehoods when he's not really caring enough to really think about it or check whether or not they're even true or even feasible, really. Bluff checks would be okay on him. All right. Dara. Okay, um, I'm going to go over to the Honorary Tribune. Who's right, down? She is uh, down below with uh, where they turn the dining table into a set of card games down here. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm really interested. Uh, I'm going to go up to her and ask. Um, so um, what do you think about the uh, chariot races? And uh, she at this point, some degree of drunk, uh, turns and smiles. And says, oh, oh that's fantastic, isn't it? The greatest form of entertainment they've got here. Well, aside from the joust, I've never been... I mean, maybe in my younger years, but a, a big one for hunting. So I'm not going to do a whole lot in the in the competition tomorrow. But <laughs> an athletes know how to put on a show, do they not? Um, quite. It was certainly something. Definitely a show. Um, okay. Well, I've got basically what I need out of her. I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> Deal. Anyway. Uh, I'm going to, um... I guess I'll talk to her more about hunting um, and go again uh, again with the survival. Okay. Yeah, there's no and downside to keeping using the same skill over and over again. It's just if you roll really bad to lock yourself out of it, like a couple people okay. have done, you gotta find something else. But as long as you don't go on the rolls, there's no reason not to keep using it. Okay. So give me that survival check. That is a real rolly die that ended up on an 8 <laughs> and giving you a 15. Is she Pysum? So yeah, you, uh, I mean, you talked to her before. She already, she seems to be disliking you less than her initial impression. Uh, you talk about hunting some as you sit down and play some cards, but uh, can't really tell if anything's super coming of it. It's not really obvious. Uh, just to recap, if you don't really destroy the DC, you don't know if you're succeeding or failing. You got like a window of 10, basically. If you beat it by 5 or you fail by 5, you know you did good or you screwed up. But if you're in that 10-point window, gotcha. you're not really sure how it's going. Inori. I want to get in on this card game down here. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's just Titus and oh, Nori of course. down here right now. <laughs> So you can talk to Titus or Honora. If that's what you want to do. Lay down the cards table. Uh, <laughs> I'll say hi to Titus and ask him to deal me in if he don't mind. Oh, baby. We trying with Titus. Yeah. All right. I'm what trying. are you going for? Oh, man. Do we see? I don't have his token in my thing. So, is there? Is he not in your journal? 
I'm looking. I don't see him. I see. Oh no, there he is. My yeah, my fault. You, you got him. We. I have a weakness written down, but I don't have any like. Oh yeah, because I don't think you know he's in second third skills. I think he's just another weakness. Yeah. I, so I. I hmm. It while we're playing cards, just try to get a discovery check on him. See if he's. Um, Sense motive or knowledge nobility. Yeah. Try this again. The sense motive show continues. The sense motive show has halted. And uh, dude, that's too higher. It's too higher. Oh uh, yeah, it's. I still think a sixteen's enough to learn anything about him. It's not sixteen. <laughs> well, you could just him. humor me a second. And say, well, let me check. <laughs> I did say. I'm pretty sure. And then I said, it's not. So you had, you had a brief moment of hope, kind of, if you don't really know what hope is. But, uh... <laughs> there was a time last week. Kahina. Damn. I think, since she got the feeling that he wasn't really a fan of hers and she couldn't figure out why, I think Kahina kind of wants to know Baron O'Kara doesn't like her much. I think I'm she's gonna, tell gonna you, ask. Regardless of his uh, first impressions with you, mechanically, <laughs> you know that Baron O'Kara can't be influenced any further for the party. Like, he's already. Okay. That helpful. Right. Well, then. So, I mean, you, you can you can talk to him, but you don't you don't have an action you can use on him. Oh, okay. You can, like, talk to him, talk to him, because, again, these, oh. are, this is, these rounds are, like, 30 minutes. Okay. Um. All right, well then Kahina will be bold and she will go ask Bartleby if he wants to dance. We're going directly for the <laughs> count here as you head up. And he, we uh, talking magic over here? He no politely declines. We talking magic over here. <laughs> he is more occupied with his wine glass and his discussion of the arcane arts. Uh, not really interested to dance. Oh. Well, maybe next time then. Uh, what does my thing not have her name revealed now? Um, I, I guess I'm gonna talk to Dame Crab. <laughs> oh, uh, baby! Dame Crab is super down for a talking. I bet uh, she is. And she a would talking be, and a drinking. Dance with her. Super interested <laughs> in talking to you actually about your Shellen friend. <laughs> no Stalwarts. I bet she is. And she would like to know more about him and his interests and more specifically mm -hmm. his plans or possibly intentions or dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well she'll Kahina will be right about, you know, making up all these lovely little tales and selling that Selling that nail to that to that family and talking up all our great plans. To... So I'm assuming, as the bard, you must influence the lady who could be influenced by perform. That you are mm -hmm. going to roll some variant of a perform check. Yes. After this, uh, yeah, uh, that is exactly what we're going to roll. Conversation wins. What are we going for? Oh, let's uh, let's uh, we'll perform uh, we'll perform oratory and we will tell her in wonderful prose of just 
what a beautiful artist and how blessed by Shellen our dear Nell Starwart is wow. and what an Amazing. honorable a family performance to wingman <laughs> the ultimate wingman the ultimate that is wingman. some friend points right there and she and gives you a no 13 on the die too pretty Freaking good! You're being pimped right now, and you You're don't even know. Actually, <laughs> being sold. Wow. The wingman points are ridiculous. You You're may, you may leave off. this adventure with a wife, whether you want to. Yeah. So, she is so pleased with every bit of this that you can either have two successes or a success and another discovery check. I'm assuming you probably want two successes because I think at yeah. this point you are fully we'll aware of. Uh, what you need to do, which is just continue performing. Mm -hmm. So before we move on to the next social round here, something, uh, a woman shows up in the ballroom that you haven't seen this entire day. None of you recognize. She is a fairly attractive woman, uh, apparently in her late 40s or so. And here is her token down here. And she approaches, and is everyone on the southern end of the ballroom? Forties. Forties? Are you sure? That's what the book says. Oh, okay. I, I, I too disagree. Been <laughs> a very stressful life. I, I mean, think she might have written this I mean, book. Does not age well. <laughs> as someone, as it could be late forties, as it's someone a... whose mother went like completely gray before she turned fifty, I understand that. Okay. Oh, it's the line in the text is an attractive woman in her late forties. Wait so, a minute! All of that is inaccurate. <laughs> take from this what you will. She has aged like a moldy cheese, or, <laughs> oh, or perhaps oh. she is actually the author of Songbird Scion Saboteur. Because yeah, this token <laughs> is not aligning with attractive woman in her late forties, but. Dame Judy Dench. If... <laughs> no, Dame Judy Dench. You shut your mouth. No, I was going to say, Dame like, Judy a poor man's Judy so Dench. So much better than that. I mean, we are kind of like in a semi medieval fantasy. So we can assume that people don't typically live to, like, their 90s. This is true. So people probably look. Unless you're older. this lady. Unless... <laughs> <laughs> shut up. All right. Disregard the token. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> Dealer's choice. This is like, it's not even just a token thing. Because some of these some of these things in uh, in the Roll20 module, they don't have art in the book, but they have tokens in the Roll20 module. They pulled from somewhere else. This is actually like, it's literally her picture from the book. So I'm just going with the material that I was given to run this adventure path. <laughs> and it true. says... Attractive woman in her late 40s. Okay. So, okay. This is the peak. You may not like it. <laughs> but this is what a peak attractive 40-year-old woman looks like. Late 40s, so 50-year-old woman. Okay. In Taldor. Uh, in Taldor. In Murat. So in rural Murat. Kansas. So maybe not horribly inaccurate, I suppose. Rural Kansas. Anyway, so that makes her guilt. Attractiveness of oh. this woman, notwithstanding, she uh walks into the ballroom, and uh, as everyone starts to notice, everyone kind of 
stops. Like, the conversation on the southern end of the ballroom almost cut off, and there's some, like, light, restrained gasps of surprise, uh, including Parthena, who turns around and turns back around uh, immediately to Kahina, eyes kind of wide, realizing she's here, and Parthena, like, mouths something to you, but you have no idea what it is she's trying to say. And uh, the woman has her hands folded across a ball gown, and she smiles and steps forward and introduces herself. I'm Duchess Valeto Blothied. Any of you fine gentlemen here care to dance? I'll totally dance with her. Are you gonna step up? Are you gonna you gonna come back from playing cards and to come dance with uh, Lothi? Go, Dara. Yeah. Go, hubby. Dara's like, all right. She said Lothi. I mean, this this does sound useful. So you step forward and uh, what do you say, Dara? Uh, enchanted, Madame. Would you care for a dance? And she uh, smiles again and steps forward up to Dara. Uh, extending her hand. What? Steps forward on top of Baylor. I'm confused. That's where he is on my screen. Oh, Baylor's up next to Bartleby. He's up here. Roll 20, roll 20. Yeah, yep. roll 20's doing roll 20 stuff. Uh, she walks forward with a smile and a hand extended for Dara. And you take her hand, and do you know how to dance? Because yeah, I hope so. <laughs> 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 At least for my performed dance, we I'm, can fake it together. I'm asking, I don't know. Because you don't necessarily need to, because the Duchess Lothied here is more than happy to lead and to uh, to teach you in a dance uh, as she takes you out onto the ballroom floor, and everyone's kind of like. Gawker, almost. I mean, these people are fairly good at hiding it, but every like every eye in this ballroom is on you two as people slowly go back to their conversations and their dancing. No. So is is it? Yes. Did I not get anything from? You told me I got two, and then you didn't give me anything. What? You got two successes got two from successes. talking yeah, to Yeah, it gave you like, oh, yeah, it was like two after, successful okay. influence checks. Yeah, and uh, you got yeah. a double, double yield basically. Okay. Uh, so she likes you two more. No. no. Uh huh. Where are the cards being played? Uh, down to the south of the dining area. Okay. <laughs> Do you want is it cards time? Yeah, it's cards time. You are going to us in so much trying trouble. Trying to step on my business. Is that what oh, you're trying baby, to do? Oh, baby, it's cards time. In comes Nell. Oh, uh, you want to go talk to Pyscom? Uh, Just more so sit at the table. But um, are we actually playing cards, or is this just more social stuff? Uh, It's playing cards. It's not like betting anything going on. Uh, it's like we're not going to roll anything out here. It's It's mostly just like social cards. Okay. I will spend some more time talking to Pison. Alright, give me some dice. And this is me having a conversation about kind of the lay of the land. What's good 
uh, economically wise, where would be a, a decent idea to maybe try and set something up. Continuing our tavern conversation from earlier. That is a very good roll that I will give you. So, you talk to her uh, and again, just try to make a good impression. And you do a fantastic job of making a good impression. And you can have two successes or you can have a success in discovery check if you want one for some reason. I'm pretty sure at this point you just want the two successes from her. Yeah. I have knowledge local. There's no reason for me to need it. Yeah, you don't, you don't need to know anything else about her. You got this one under control. If you're in the double success, you're pretty much good. Uh, Inori, I'm going to skip initiative a bit. Are you staying at the card table here? Yeah, that was my plan. How do you guys keep trying to sense motive to Titus? Yeah. Gimme! You can do it! I believe in you. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping just general card playing and socializing and, you know... Just put tomfoolery. Maybe I can break him down and we can kind of be a little bit more friendly. Uh, yeah, theory. I mean, he's he's the only one here. I know everyone who kind of like takes jabs and barbs sometimes. There maybe is a bit. Oh, that... oh, oh <laughs> it gave, gave you the 19. It gave it to me. It gave it to you. <laughs> Go by the log. Go, Go by, by the, log. the log. That's why we do this. So you my friend get a double success what two things do you want to learn about titus you're trying hard enough and perhaps he just doesn't see you enough as enough of a threat that he kind of starts to open up a bit at least you know um, his strength you don't i don't think know any influence he doesn't see anori as a threat I mean, in jousting, maybe, but he doesn't. Like <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I forgot the factor in the two again. I don't know if it bumped it up to something else. It's a, it's a, that's, I got that. You got. I'm doing okay, it for you now. So um, uh, you get a uh, double success. You get two pieces of info. Maybe uh, an influence, like something. Uh, what is it? Two influences. Yeah. How many does he have? He's only got a couple, I think. Yes, fine. I'll just reroll sixes. Thank you for building a six. That's what I wanted. Of course. Dead. Don't. Don't. Okay. <laughs> Two and five. Uh, you. Oh, these actually go together. So, you've met Titus. He's not a very serious man, and he doesn't really have a whole lot of, well, base respect for people that haven't earned it from him. And you've started to earn a bit after this joust. Maybe wrong. He doesn't like you. But he at least kind of respects you a little bit now. And you're starting to figure out that really feels like it might actually be the only way to get in with Titus at all. You're not going to make any progress talking to this guy. You're not going to make any progress trying to have a conversation. You're going to make progress through feats oh. and actions and both acrobatics less effectively and uh, raw strength and ability in the form of swim more effective. Just showing that you are someone he can physically respect are going to be your best shots. Not so. expecting swim to come up. That's an influence, an influence check. 
Social stuff. It lets all the skills do things. Yeah, there's people that have climb and swim as their influence skills. Didn't we come across someone in the... I'm not the really first... positive what, to be honest, as a GM, I'm kind of having a failing of. I'm not sure what that represents. Do you just, like, talk about Michael Phelps or, like... <laughs> How do you use... I mean, you're not going to go outside and have well, a swimming contest in, the, in Kalothi's Fountain, so, I mean... I think it's more Maybe we are. Than, like people climb as a hobby. And you can Again, just it's like saying, like showing you have physically intensive hobbies. Yeah, I like. I don't. I don't really know. <laughs> I'm not really sure how you use. I don't think talking about swimming would work with him. It would have to be like, "Hey, bro, let's swim across this thing," and then you have to beat him. Well, you just talk about the things you've done and talk about it well enough for him to know you're not lying about it. Just swimming. You could be like snorkeling or like uh, snorkeling. snorkeling. Things that you snorkeling. found while like adventuring out in the ocean or whatever. Yeah, fair, I suppose. Just talking about your exploits being impressive. Does that I mean, mean when I knocked him unconscious that I actually gained level with him? He likes me more because of that? Yes. <laughs> yes! <laughs> he actually went from hostile to unfriendly with you. Oh, that's you, uh, fantastic. When he destroyed him in the job. But, and you can tell. He doesn't like you, but he dislikes you less than he did previously. That's an improvement um, in my book. And it's now almost like ribbing more than it is just actively trying to ruin your day. Up here, the ball continues as uh, Dara and Duchess Lothied are the center of attention to everybody. There is literally a void around the two of you, as nobody seems to want to get closer than like five or six feet to the pair of you as you dance. And Duchess Lothian really, really takes the lead here. Ballroom dancing is probably something that would be at least a little unfamiliar to Dara, and maybe if he's been introduced before, he's not great at it. She takes the lead very directly, and very, very closely. You're not sure if people that just met each other are usually this physically close. His wife is that His wife is right there. Dancing. That would be Countess. It's not his wife. This is a duchess. No, my wife. No, it, oh, your it, wife is like... Taurus wife. <laughs> she neither knows nor cares. She's I, I a... as much. God, uh, have some fun. Regardless of what it is... open relationship. Yeah, Duchess Lothi just got here. Doesn't know that. And is very quite forward. <laughs> and as you dance, uh, you discuss some. And uh, the first thing that comes up is she's like... I don't recognize you. There's a, a few new faces at the Jubilee this year. Are you, uh, a Syrian Gurundi Rahadumi, perhaps? I am, uh, I am a Syrian. I, me and my group just came in. We are new to the area. Ooh, exotic. Exotic <laughs> indeed. <laughs> what brings you to the distant lands of our humble Marats County. Well, we just came into some land and uh, are here to see what is out here. Oh, some I've land out, out uh, oh. around these parts. So you'll be staying then? Yes, that is the plan. Hmm. 
fantastic. You're a very proficient dancer, Sir Rostam. Not many pick it up as quickly as you do. Not many have such a talented helper. I would like to thank you for giving an opportunity to not have to hit on Shadmu for once. Because this <laughs> never happens to me. <laughs> I, I always have to hit on Shenmue, I swear to god. I hey, don't know hey, why. Hey, hey, there was what's well, his name? How are you in Skull Pierce. and Shackles? There was Pierce. Pierce. There was Pierce. There was, was what's Pierce. his name? <laughs> reflecting exactly how much Mickey cared about that relationship. But uh, regardless, I feel like it's always been Shenmue recently. I mean, I'm but, trying uh, to set up something as well. But for for once, I the, the the player behind the character I get to hit on is actually my girlfriend, and this is way less awkward. I'm okay with this. So, uh, as you dance, and the the first song, uh, or whatever song you you were dancing to, the first one as after she had arrived, ends. Bartleby immediately detaches himself uh, from Baylor, cutting away uh, mid-sentence, if he has to, to stride quickly over to the pair of you dancing. And he hits on, like, a... Even as much as he may try to be hiding it, a very forced smile. And he says, Oh, Sarostum! Uh, Valeto! I uh, did not know we were expecting you here this evening. Kind of, she chuckles. I says, oh, Bartleby, of course. Uh, you were trying to hide this one from me, were you? <laughs> and uh, Bartleby puts a, one, uh, grabs her by the arm, kind of aggressively, and says, oh, no, I never dream of doing such a thing. Come, uh, let me have a word with you elsewhere. And he takes her and escorts her out of the ballroom very, very quickly. And uh, out of this entire area, just, just out of the, out, gone across the, uh, across the palace to somewhere else. And you just left kind of staying there. And uh, I, uh, I chuckle a bit and walk over to my wife and yeah. wrap my arm around her. And wasn't that a lovely lady? <laughs> She seemed very enchanting, dear. And then, I guess we turn, turn to Dame Crab and be like, who, who is this? Lofi, who is this? She's very, very fun. And uh, Dame Crab kind of wringing her hands is like, uh, well, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, Duchess Lothi, and she's a bit of an oddity. I don't think Bartleby expected her to make an appearance at, at all, much less tonight. She's reclusive, generally. Uh, I, I believe this is the first time I've seen her at one of the, the Tanager Jubilees. I don't know what she's done, really, but I, I feel like there's something to some offense or, or some embarrassment, because the Count seems to go to great lengths to keep her away from the, the general public. Oh. I don't I don't rightly know. I'm sure it's an interesting bit of gossip, though. And oh my, you, Sir Rostam, taking the dance with her. It'll be interesting indeed. 
feel like that's more damage control to be done at another time. Does she reside here? Uh, yes, she lives here in the in the palace, of course, with the, the rest of the Lothians, but I... She, she never really comes out. Hmm. I know her bedroom is up in the tower, but she's usually sequestered away during these kind of events. I thought she was simply shy. I've never seen anything like this happen. Oh. I've never seen the Count so disturbed, it seemed. That's disturbing. She just seemed like she wanted to come and have a good time, like the rest of us. She seemed like a very charming oh, lady. It makes, you, makes you wonder, doesn't it? But another time, this is the Count's family, after all. I mean, we can, we can discuss this later at my own estate, perhaps. Mm -hmm. As well as, if you want to talk about an interesting bit of gossip, Lady Marthane, the visiting one from Casimir, has it for the Baron, I believe. O'Kara? Of course. She has no lands oh. here. I... Honestly, not even positive who it is she's got relationship to here, but from what I understand, she's here to marry into a barony. Oh. So, Very while we're while we're here, do either of the two of you want to use your social round here on uh, Dame Crab? Uh, yeah, we might as well. Guess mm -hmm. the bard might hang out and perform some more because you gave I gave a bard an opportunity to use performance, so I'm assuming that's not going to stop anytime soon. No. Bard's going to keep going. Bard it up! Bard it up! Give that performance. Roll that hot Sometimes particle. I wonder what about the rolling initiative. Well, it's very least initiative we use here. We just kind of to somewhat organize, and then I know Baylor is last, so we have left for this round. Right. Give me that performance. What ya? I am the one. And there it is. <laughs> you know On what's cue. great is with a your perform. I mean, it's bard powers. Your perform powers. is high enough that with a one, you still don't offend her. So you don't get locked out. Even with a one, you don't get locked out of using perform. Like you're still fine. You, I'm pretty uh, sure each of us has a skill like that. Yeah, you, you actually can't lock yourself out of perform with him. So you're okay with that, uh, Dari? You want to go for one as well? Uh, I'm actually going to do. Um... Do people run out of influence skills? Um, yeah, how many do you know for Crab? Three. She's got more. Okay. So I don't have anything that can influence her. So I'm going to notice her acting very strangely and roll a perception for to find another discovery. Okay. And you want to learn another influence skill, I assume? Yeah. Uh, not the one, that's the five. Uh, but I think five is enough. Five is actually not enough to learn anything about her, unfortunately. Okay. She was very distracted by her gossip. She's very distracted. Away mm -hmm. and, and the two of you are stuck once again in the black hole of superficial, superficial hearsay with Dame Crab that never seems to go anywhere. Baylor, I believe that just leaves you. The Count has kind of hurried off. He has. I Purple Finches have a name. So what do you want to do? You lost your friend, unfortunately. I'll step over to the side. This man. Sergusarn! Now, what are we trying to do with Sergusarn? Gusarn. Guisarn. I don't know what it said this name. Uh. Go. Hang out with Go. Here's what I got, Eddie. I'm gonna fix Jack this right here. I'm just gonna start with. Boom. No. Now it's Gusarn. Shut up. <laughs> I, I think, uh. 
I think the way that you're saying it is actually correct. Well, I think if it was spelled like this, that'd be correct. But now it's spelled like this, and I'm going to keep calling him Gusarin anyway, so I'm just going to slightly adapt the spelling of his name. Well, there's the, the Gusarm weapon that's spelled almost exactly the same as his name. So. It might be right, but I'm going to do a tiny modification to keep calling him Gusarin. So. <laughs> I'm just going to wander over and mention that, to my knowledge, Bartleby and... Titus were the only uh, Lothedes in the county. It's interesting to see another show up. He'll speak up. Oh, there's a few around. Uh, the Duchess is here. There's some various cousins and uncles and aunts and in and out of the area, but the only ones that make their main living here are the Count himself and Lord Titus. And, of course, uh, the Duchess, but another matter entirely. She's not much of a public figure. In your duties as the Seneschal, these group Seneschal, or aide to the art Seneschal of the, um, I keep forgetting the name of this one, the Betany Estates, whatever it is your title will end up being. Uh, the only two you'll need to worry about interacting with are the Count and Lord Titus himself. And Lord I Titus see. only in rare circumstance. Well, she seems to enjoy the public, at least, even if it's not something she is here for. Yeah, she very much enjoys her time down here. Truth be told, I... I don't really know much about her, personally. I've barely met the woman. I see. So do you want to give him some dice? Yeah, I'll just... I kind of brought it up with me saying I kind of knew the family. i just going to kind of talk around, like, what I know of the Lothied history with him. Okay. Go for knowledge nobility. Alright, knowledge nobility, give it to me. Aren't you locked on one with him already? Did you get locked for one on Goosehand or was that someone else? That was me. No, it was. Yeah, so he got locked on. I got locked on the Baroness. That's what it was. You got locked on Baroness. Well, you're also locked on knowledge nobility with Goosehand. So, uh. <laughs> You, you try, but at the end of the day, you don't really know a whole lot about the Lothids, and more than that, you're saying... I know a 20. Sees, yeah, you know a 20, which is, I mean, a decent amount, but like a 20 for a fairly obscure noble family in a backwoods county in Taldor is uh, more or less what you've learned today and what Martella told you. Which, to be fair, Martella gave you a lot of information, but it's less the lack of knowledge than it is, so you're saying, seeing this for pretty much exactly what it is, which is just an attempt to endear yourself to him. He's not interested in your ability to list the names of various Lothians. So, uh, you can no longer use knowledge of the Yankusane for the rest of the gala. So, as the evening starts to wind down here, and the night begins to come, Count Lothian makes his appearance back at the ballroom. And, uh, as he does, greeting... Or at least nodding to everyone he passes, very notably looking past Dara like he doesn't exist <laughs> as he heads back into the room. 
Yeah. One last social round as the evening winds down. Nell, you want to remain at the card table here? Yes. Uh, can Pysum still be influenced? Absolutely. She's only neutral. Okay. Just making sure because I don't want to waste turns. I, I will let you guys know. Yeah. The only the only one that's uh, fully because you guys uh, mechanically oh, for, for both you yeah for both you and uh, viewers and Bryn Bob because doesn't really know these things. There's like a five tier scale of people's general attitude for you that goes from hostile, which is the lowest, which is like will actively try to initiate your downfall, will act against you, will in some cases fight or attack you, uh, is working directly against you. Unfriendly, uh, hostiles like Titus. <laughs> Unfriendly is they don't like you. Uh, beyond that, they, they dislike you. Something about you, they just don't enjoy your company or respect you for whatever reason. That's like a Baroness Voinum. And then you have Neutral. Oh, that's like the starting attitude of Fiscom too. You've gotten her up from apparently too Neutral. Uh, neutral is exactly what it sounds like. Neutral's like Dame Crab. She's a bubbly socialite, and she likes talking to people uh, for the reason of talking to them. And this is different from like how much they may personally like you. Because, I mean, Dame Crab kind of likes everyone <laughs> for the most part but for the actual like scale of attitude you're just kind of neutral with her uh she doesn't really care anymore for you than she does anyone else beyond the fact that you're new here and you're an interesting oddity and shake up into things friendly which was baron okara when you got here because you'd already met him from the gala that means they are they do like you they'll support you uh they're willing to help you in ways and give you small favors where possible and then helpful is the highest they can possibly be which is Baron O'Kara post-joust which is where he's at right now which means you cannot possibly influence them any further they will, if you ask them for help go out of their way to help you generally um, and they're just on your team like O'Kara's O'Kara's a team member at this point now that doesn't mean that that can't change if you're doing things like O'Kara doesn't agree with or uh, just kind of using him for things he doesn't want to do. He can definitely still waver, but at the moment, he is fully helpful. He can't be imposing further. You're only kind of neutral with Pysum, and I tell you these because you can get a feeling from these, what is realistically hours of talking to these NPCs that we're not role-playing out. You can get a general feeling on this scale where they're at with you. And uh, Pysum's a solid neutral. She, doesn't, she initially disliked you. She's coming around. I'm pretty good at making people stop disliking me. Some people. Some like, people. for instance, we're going to keep talking about this, uh, this You're whole You're going to open your head and just drop a five on the table. Like, that didn't even roll at all. This <laughs> is like. Five. It's a good thing that the dice doesn't matter for this. I auto pass. That's a knowledge local, right? Yeah, yep. that's knowledge local. So, uh,. Yep, you, you, you talk through some, you just continue this conversation showing her that you are very much not your average noble. Baylor. Uh, low feedback. I'm going to see if I can get back to him if he wants to continue our conversation where it left off. And he, uh, seemingly distracted for a moment. Let's start up. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I, uh, very sorry I had to so rudely break away there. It's just the, uh, the Duchess needs attention 
these days and not attention of that sort. I, I do apologize. That was hasty of me. Of that. That was... Family matters get complicated. I, out of anyone, can understand that. So you want to roll some knowledge arcana? Sure. Alright, magic talk. Let's go. Uh, with a 20. Another 24. Yep, you get, once again, the... You get one success, and you get a discovery check, just like you did last time. Let me see if I can get... Give me a weakness on him. Okay, let's give you his weakness. What is his weakness? Out of raw curiosity, because I haven't actually looked. So, Bartleby... He is really enjoying this conversation. And he is really enjoying how much you know in this conversation. But beyond that, you have picked up, uh, as he talks some about artifacts that he has collected or acquired, specifically ones that he has been given on various occasions as gifts from visitors or other nobles of the area, other wizards from outlying colleges he's spoken with. He takes these things very much to heart, and he has a lot of sentimentality for physical, like, things of interest that have been given to him, that have thought put behind them. And you figure, this one works a little different than most of the other ones. If you were to give him, like, a magical artifact, or uh, an antique, or even a spell book that, uh was not so cheap as to be insulting to account, so say at least like 250 gold, you would permanently enamor yourself to him a bit more. And he would be much more open to listening to what you have to say. Hmm. Dara. Uh, I'm going to try my luck again with uh, Dame Crab. Okay. And uh, roll a sense motive this time. You know, change things up. Okay. I think 16 is exactly what you need to learn something about her. It very much, very much is. So you know her weakness. You know a couple influence skills. Do you want an influence skill or do you want the strength? Yeah. Um, well, actually, I don't know. I don't think we have How much do the strengths affect anything exactly? A strength is if you, if you try to... T yeah, something we'll avoid. If you try talking to her about whatever her strength is, you are going to take a big, mechanically uh, with how influence rolls work, a minus four penalty to your roll, which considering you already know that making a social faux pas with crap is much worse than anybody else, it'd probably be good to not hit the thing that's going to give you a big penalty on talking to crab. I wouldn't hurt, but that's what that does. You could also learn an influence skill. Uh, I think I might just write an influence skill, because okay. I don't have much I can influence. What ones do you have? We currently have uh, knowledge ability, appraise, and performance check. Knowledge ability, appraise, and performance. Uh, Dame Crab can also be swayed with knowledge local for the opposite reason as a lot of everybody else, because gossip. And if you know enough to join her, and her adventures in gossip, boy howdy, is that the best way to get in with Dame Crab. <laughs> Shocker. <clears throat> what about you, uh, Anori? I mean, it's hard to deny this. the only person who Titus doesn't hate. Are we going to continue <laughs> trying? 
I, 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 she's rolling off the success. She feels like she's getting somewhere. Got to, got to keep it going. Hopefully. All right. See if we can get uh, maybe a few more on the man here. Yeah, um, motive. <laughs> yeah. Or knowledge, mobility, whichever one you're using. Pretty sure it's motive. Oh! Ooh, that's pretty good. And uh, with a 23, you get another. You get to learn another thing. You already know his weakness. You know an influence skill. Do you want another one? Oh, you got two influence skills actually. Uh, another influence skill actually. Maybe it actually okay, so hit. You got you got on... swim and acrobatics. Yeah. <laughs> Right, Maybe something better. Okay, two. Well, what's his last name? Lothied. What is he? Cassava. Lothied Cassava. It's, he has like one of his double last names. Lothied Cassava, but Lothied is what I was going for, yes. He's a noble. And he very much enjoys his noble life. And if you can't relate to this high-class existence, you can have a tough time connecting with him. Knowledge nobility is a pretty good one for him, too. Okay. And Kahina, our final influence check of the evening. Both literally and out of game. Okay. Uh, all right. We're going to try not to roll badly on that. That's generally uh, what we go some... for. So let's go, I'm going to perform just slightly more. That was slightly. Yep. slightly. Congratulations. It's by you definition, pass. that is the most slightly more you could have performed. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, you need not a one to succeed on performing yeah. with crab. So you succeed on performing with crab, which you technically don't know that, but I'm going to tell you because I think it's funny. So <laughs> that's, a, cool. that's, a, that's one influence for, for her to wrap Give up the night here. Oh, influence, or can I get a strength? Or oh, do I just discovering? Performing is an influence. Discovery oh, yeah, is influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ability. Sorry. Yeah, you get an influence point up with her. That's that's what works yeah. you towards going mm -hmm. from like neutral to friendly to uh, helpful. Mm -hmm. And it takes different amounts of these uh, of influence points for different people. Some are harder to influence than others. And uh, with that, as the evening draws to a close, the count himself steps up to thank everybody for coming by and thank everyone for attending the first evening of the Tanager Jubilee. Wishes everyone a fine rest of their night and good luck in the grand hunt tomorrow afternoon that will be occupying the lion's share of the day. The breakfast is going to be served out in the garden tomorrow morning, half an hour after sunrise. So, he welcomes everyone to a light morning meal before everyone heads out for the main event of the show. And with that, everyone says their goodbyes, splits off, Crab bothers you once more about coming to visit her next weekend. And Purple Finch hails your uh, carriage back around to take you back out to the guest houses. Is there anything any of you want to do before you leave the palace tonight? I would actually like to talk to Pysum about the like rules and everything of the hunt, just just to get an idea of what I'm getting into ahead of time. All right, so you uh, you talk to Pysum, and she's like, and uh, she speaks up. Oh, oh, right, of course. Uh, I I totally forgot. This is a 
Well, it's a rather straightforward event we got going on here. There's nothing terribly complicated. Uh, you're more than welcome to bring whatever armors or weapons you think would be effective or fun in the name of entertainment. Uh, everybody's given their own quarry, and once the first trumpets sound, they're given, I believe, it's an hour for a good sporting chance to go out into the surrounding woods, try and find a good hiding place, uh, do whatever it is they're going to do. But well, the hunters set off after them, man. The first one to return with their quarry wins the hunt. Is our quarry halflings? Oh. Are we well, capturing not, halflings and just kind of carrying them back? Not all of them, no. It's just <laughs> general servants. Uh, we got bunch of costumes uh, it's the it's the he puts up this air quotes the pheasant hunt the peasant hunt uh we got him a real bright colorful clothing uh some feathered headdresses it's a whole lot of good fun uh we're not killing them of Just course capturing oh yeah i mean if, if you got to there you're more than free to hobble them with an arrow or a couple of blows just don't murder the poor fellows if you can help it of course well that uh at least lets me know what i should pick up Thank you. Yeah, no problem. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to be hunting out myself, but it's a good round of fun for everyone. Very glad I do not lethal damage with my spells, then. <laughs> so you're, you're going to insult some people as they're running insult, away. I'm going to insult some people. <laughs> Wait, some Corey. No, so it's not a joke? Like, it's literally halflings? Yeah. Is that what's people? Uh -huh. Dressed up like uh -huh. animals. Yeah. I, like I thought they were just like jabbing at each other a little bit, but okay. <laughs> we're hunting people. The ultimate You're game. Hunting people. The original battle royale. Directly <laughs> yes. said, you are the free most dangerous to, game. Like, you are free mad. to bring bows and swords and hit them until they're unconscious <clears> and then drag them back. You uh, she said we're not supposed to kill them, but she didn't seem terribly offended about, about it, that yeah. possibly happening. I'm gonna suggest that uh, Nell leave his shield with Eutropia's picture painted on it at home. Well, I mean, he didn't bring it to the first day, so I'm gonna assume he's not gonna bring it to the second either because you probably don't want to bring it. Hey guys, look at my shield. To, uh, <laughs> to this whole thing here. I painted it. I this. mean, I had it, I just didn't actually like bring it inside so i guess it was still in the yeah but you didn't, yeah. Have, like, you didn't have it on you at the palace you're like yeah you have it no, that would stuff, be stupid yeah. yeah i mean i'm like you're not dumb like you're not carrying around and shield with your trophy's face painted on yeah. it like i'm assuming you i didn't actually ask you because i just assumed you were smart enough to not do that no because remember i had to use one of their shields right oh yeah for the joust that's right so purple finch takes you all back in the carriage back to the guest houses where you're free to uh relaxed or whatever time it's uh well past sundown at this point and well into the night so it's not a terrible idea to just go to sleep and rest up for the peasant hunt that's coming tomorrow the events yeah. of this gala seem to be getting more and more questionable as this you goes. think as we started with a uh, friendly joust and then the meat parade and then <laughs> Throwing blinding powder at halflings for fun. Good and thing I still are. have blinding powder for tomorrow. There you go. I'm <laughs> just gonna. I think we have a sequel to. I still have iron. 
whatever it was for me. Well, at least I have Iron Skin. At least I still have At least she has blinding power. <laughs> but, uh... Would yeah. I be able to go pick up a longbow? <laughs> um, it would be difficult to find time, but you could probably ask for one. Yeah, Purplefin should probably get you one. So, okay. each of you, is there anything else you want to do before you go to sleep for the night? I think, having already filled Dara in, she, uh, since we already scanned for, you know, magic and uh, maybe do that again maybe detect magic again make sure we have no magical bugs or hearing and then she would probably explain who the gentleman was um, that was speaking and why she has such a problem with him and that he's somebody that's in Pytherius's camp and someone we should be weary of and if we can learn more about him out here and why he's here, where he's set up and what kind of influence he has with the low thieves. I need to get the man's name. It's... Got a lot of work to do tomorrow. <laughs> Got a lot of learning that needs to happen, but I understand yeah. that you were the only one that really knew about it and you very much didn't yeah. want to go talk to him. So that's more than fair. But you explained that so everyone at least understands what's up with the uh, this older man with the cane and why he's an item of interest. As you go to bed, as you're readying yourselves, as you take off your sword belt and put Sarin down in Ori, uh, you hear the sword speak to you again. I gotta say, I don't want you to get too big of a head at the party, but... That was impressive. Wait, wait a minute. Did you just compliment me? This is why I didn't do it at the party, girl. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. Sure. I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Everything you've done prior now just seemed to be technically surviving. I mean, you haven't died yet, which is impressive of its own regard. But that's a lot better than I was expecting. I'm going to say. I'm happy that you're impressed. Now he's getting sarcastic. Mm. Wouldn't be fair if I didn't throw jabs at you too. Can't blame you. So. This is a bit of a questionable mission we've taken, isn't it? Out here in Marat trying to get supposedly the princess's own mansion back. And she needs us. Five people she's met one time that she trusts with overthrowing an entire county. That's... Yeah, that's an interesting thought you bring up here. It does seem... Off. There's, there seems like there's more that we should probably find out. Definitely. Whatever Martellus says... Don't get me wrong. You gotta trust someone. But remember, everyone's out for themselves. At the end of the day, whatever their goals are, they're exactly that. Their goals. And they're only gonna help you as far as it helps themselves. 
The name Eutropia still carries power, regardless of what's happening with the throne or the Exaltation Massacre or any of that. And I'm damn sure that the princess rode out here and demanded her palace back. Bartleby would give it up. There's a reason she's not doing it. You think he would just give it up, really? They might protest a bit, but you think he's going to stand up to Princess Eutropia? Hmm. It's a bit questionable. That's all I'm saying. Something to think about. Might have to bring it up to the others. See if we can brainstorm it a little more. Be careful with your allegiances. Is all I'm saying. You gotta trust someone, but you don't have to trust anyone entirely. Are you, you trying to allude to what happened to my dad? <laughs> and you're smarter than I give, uh, give you credit for. Alright. You got me. Like I said, there's more to it than a simple murder. Your father. Dante is involved in some things. They involved with some people. Is he on the right side? I don't know. Can't say. It's difficult. But regardless of which side you pick, there's someone standing across from you. Don't forget that. It's actually great advice. But you're really... At this point, you're being a little too talkative, and I need to get to sleep, so... <laughs> Fair enough, girl. You gotta rest up to hunt crap-covered peasants tomorrow afternoon, and sure that'll be a real challenge of your skills. Um, I'm not looking to get blood all over you, but if you really insist. So you all lay down <laughs> to go to sleep. I miss Cornell. <laughs> wow. Guess what? You're going to sleep. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> oh, throwback. Previous campaign, he played a uh, hunter who had oh, keep watch from a very young age, and I'm pretty sure never slept ever after the first night in the uh, Briarstone Asylum at Strange Aeons, and he slept a total no. of zero times in the rest hey, of that campaign. I, the, the last time I slept was the night we got attacked by the assassin. That's right. And I almost lost my head. Reese. Oh, right. I yeah. was going to He never slept again. Yeah. You, you came didn't actually out of the wall sleeping. in the room. You tried <laughs> sleeping one more time. Uh, because you figured you were in town and you were safe and you got jumped mm -hmm. by Reese. <laughs> I forgot about that. And then you never slept again for the rest of the campaign. But I don't think any of you guys have any way to avoid sleeping right now. So unless you want to eat some fatigue, I assume everyone's going to bed. I know I'm probably going to have a harder time right sleeping after the speech I just got. <laughs> you got some stuff to think about at least. Oh, it's late though. You were jousting. You took some hits. You're probably tired. I can't imagine it's going to be that hard to go to sleep. Uh, and each of you, they're nice beds in the guest house. It's a, it's a good evening. Except for Nell. Nell, as you fall asleep, you are wrecked. You literally can't, it's just Pathfinder, you can't avoid this. You are wrecked by horrible nightmares because you are sleeping and it's a Pathfinder campaign. I swear to God, it always happens. <laughs> you know, to, to credit to this campaign, you have slept many times with no problems this mm -hmm. campaign so far. So it's not like Strange Aeons where every time you go to sleep, horrible things happen to you. But you are wrecked with horrible nightmares in which you 
are taking the place of Count Lothied at his speech. And there's no tripwire and there's no crossbow. But you walk up those stairs and you turn and you make a joke. Well, you try to make a joke. You get halfway through and you fumble through it. You forget the punchline. You shake it and you just stop, physically shake your head and try to recenter yourself and start somewhere else. And you just, you can't put your thoughts together. And the world seems to almost like drop away and it's just you and this entire crowd of nobles and your party and your parents standing there with just blank, disapproving stares. Just <laughs> boring into your soul. Make me a will save. Those I am notoriously you're great at will says. What are you talking yeah. about? I think you've made zero of them, so you're overdue to make no, one, right? No, I made one. Oh, you made one. When did you make a will save? I rolled a hard 20. Not now, but when else did you make a will save? Yeah, oh, you did I... a hard 20 that one time. You're right. So but now, that was it. you sleep very fitfully and uncomfortably, and you wake up in the morning totally just off, and you are completely unrested. And you are actually fatigued entirely. But regardless, that doesn't stop it from being the morning. And you've things to do. So you wake up on, guess what I finally did? It's figure out the date. You work up, wake up on this beautiful 14th of Ferrost. Whatever the fantasy equivalent of Sunday is. Dang it, I forgot to pull up the calendar. I knew I missed a step. I don't know the day of the week yet. The days of the week I don't got. What is the... Uh... Ha! It's actually Sunday! I win! It's still <laughs> Sunday! It's the only one that doesn't change! Yes, I'm the best! there's still a sun. Yeah, because there's still a sun. All the rest of them are different, but there's definitely Sunday. It's still just Sunday. Uh, on this Sunday morning. Freddy-ish to head back over to the Palace of Birdsong and to commence... The peasant hunt. And I feel like that's a perfectly good place for us to cut it off for the evening here. Uh, before we head off into uh, breakfast where you'll have another brief time for some social rounds. So, quick question about coffee fatigued and how it does it on the sheet. 